The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy Josh Smith. And we are ready for another exciting episode of Keeping It Strong Style. On today's show, we'll be covering nights four through eight of the New Japan Cup Tournament. And of course, all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Make sure you support the Social Suplex Podcast Network by subscribing on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcast archives along with all of our columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com forward slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Before we get started, I want to give uh, two quick shout-outs. Shout-out to Social Suplex writer Nathan Nathan Saratan. He wrote a pretty interesting piece on Tai Chi and whether or not he's an investable heavyweight. So if you haven't already, check that out on socialsuplex.com. And also want to give a shout-out to Fernando Cuelas Jr., Follow him at Twitter, at FQJMMA. He does a lot of great work for LowKick.com and SES Scoops. Check out all his news articles and his work. Solid guy. Yeah, he uh, tweeted us this week. Yeah. That was uh, unexpected. (laughs) I I don't know if he listens to the show, but it kind of seemed like maybe he did. It seems like it did. I mean, he, you know... You know, call us out by name, but social suplex and keeping it strong style. Yeah, he said, my day was made, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was appropriating that man's uh, article, and then I didn't even realize, like, that more people were, like, viewing his article because I posted it, which I'm not, like, a social influencer or anything. I don't think of myself that way. I don't even have a Twitter. So I just was, like, trying to share the news, and then, you know, that kind of popped me when I was like, oh, this guy from Low Kick, and I'm a huge MMA fan, so I was like, yeah. Like, heck yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, man, it's, it's always interesting to see who's checking our shows out, man. We're over huge, brother. Over big time, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so New Japan Cup 2018. A lot of interesting stuff has happened in this tournament. A lot of brackets busted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot. It's crazy. Uh, so... Last week's show, we briefly mentioned Night 4. We hadn't watched it yet, uh, but we knew the results. We briefly covered it. We've Since then, we've watched um, Nights 4 through 8. Um, but yeah, Night 4, we've actually seen the matches now. I'm, I'm impressed with us, man. I'm not going to lie. Like The fact that we have consistently watched every single one of these shows, when there's many times where I'm like, 
I could probably like skip a match or something, but then I, I get convicted and I'm like, no, no, I owe it to the to the listeners. I, I owe it to this business that I'm a part of <laughs> to give my best. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that we uh, since December watched everything like that's kind of crazy. It is, man. No breaks. No breaks. No off time. Mr. No Days Off. <laughs> uh, so like on the WWE schedule. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the road. Seven days a week. Not seeing our family and friends. Yeah, I feel like Bret Hart. Like, I worked every Christmas for these guys. And this is what they do to me. <laughs> uh, Wrestling with Shadows. So good. So, um, on night four... We had two first round matches. Uh, it was Sonata against Chucky e. T, and also Yano versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. So, Josh, um, now that we've seen the matches, what is your uh, final thoughts on Yano and Davy Boy Smith? Ooh, um, so I'm trying to think about this tournament. Let me look back at the brackets because. Pulling out my handy dandy <laughs> paper here, <laughs> but uh, okay. So Kota Ibushi Yoshihashi was very very good. Naito and Zack Saber Jr. was excellent. Um, Elgin Ishii for me has been the match of the tournament. Juice and Takahashi over delivered. I thought Tanahashi and Taichi was very good. Up until this night, the only match I felt like had under-delivered, or I don't even want to say under-delivered, but just wasn't up to par with the match quality we were seeing was Fale and Archer. So this was uh, maybe, definitely in the first round, this is the weakest night of the tournament, uh, match quality-wise. you know, and I mean, it's kind of what you would expect with like two comedy, and not to speak ill of them, but two comedy wrestlers like Yano and Chucky e. T. You know, you you do sometimes expect what you get, and uh, yeah, I thought both of these matches, they were while not being terrible, they weren't anything like blow away at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, with Yano and Dave Boy Smith, it's kind of what we predicted with um, Yano doing all his antics and pulling mm-hmm. a fast one on Dave Boy Smith. I was nervous the whole time, though. I was nervous to be made to look like a fool and see, like, <laughs> like Davy Boy squash him. So that yeah, was the so one thing that, like, kept me, like, on the edge of my seat a little bit. Especially since we, like, buried Rich for uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for picking Davy Boy's move. Um, and y- Yano had a lot of trouble with Davy Boy in this match. Like, he kept trying his antics and things like that, and a lot of it wasn't really working. And uh, so it was interesting to kind of see, like, how are they going to pull this off? But this was a match that was 12 minutes and some change, and it felt like it went on forever. It did. Like, it felt like... Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, that was one of the only things. And, I mean, when the ending came, I was glad it was done. I felt like this could have been done in less amount of time, actually, as weird as that sounds. But, um, so, I mean, essentially, what ended up happening, like, I know it was a count out. Yeah, so pretty much they were out on the floor, and... uh, so Yano fights off a suplex, uh, stuns Smith on the rope, gets a tape out. Uh, he's tying Smith's feet together, but Smith kicks him away. Then they, they work to the floor. Uh, Smith lays his head butts, and uh, but he crotches himself on the barricade. And then Yano runs back in and gets the count out. You know that's like a classic, uh, like Hart family finish. I don't know if you've seen a lot of their stuff from the '80s, but like, there's so many times I've seen like Dynamite or Davy Boy or like tag Brett in singles matches and like WWF and like New Japan go over the barricade or cross themselves and then the match ends like so this was a 
this was Davy Boy Smith Jr. living up to his family's <laughs> like mo <laughs> to his heritage. No, I'm, I'm not even joking. I can uh, literally think of like at least two or three matches for each individual one of those guys where I've seen them crotch themselves and lose a match. Or like get tied up in the ropes or something. No, specifically getting crotched. I'm saying specifically <laughs> getting crotched. They didn't teach that in the dungeon. I think they do. I think, like, <laughs> I think like stews in there. Like, what you gotta do? I, I don't do a good stew. Uh, stretch it, man. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, uh, I was glad when this was over. Toro Yano, Yano got the uh, you know the upset win, although I think it was something like ninety percent of our like listeners thought he was going to win. So. Right, so it wasn't really an upset. No, not at all. But uh, yeah, eighty five percent of our listeners thought Yano was going to win that match anyway. So uh, I was just surprised it wasn't a roll up, but uh, it was kind of nice because that set up like the 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 next match in the tournament. And we'll get to it, but like. What I like about the New Japan Cup is they'll do a finish and then it kind of sets up where they can play off that finish later in the next round. Right. And they've done that pretty consistently, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, Yano, Yano advances. Nothing uh, nothing crazy there. Uh, Davey Boy gets jobbed. He goes back to the tag team uh, division. Yep. Then uh, So then we had uh, Sonata and Chucky e. T for the main event here. Mm. Big singles match for Chucky e. T here. Yeah, uh, I actually, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but someone said like, um, said, said something to him about injuring uh, Beretta. Yeah. And he was like, I didn't injure Beretta. He was like, he got injured after years of doing steroids, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get ready for his NXT run. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude, Chucky e. T is hilarious on Twitter. If you yeah. guys are not following Chucky e. T, you need to be. This match, um, Although I didn't have, like, super high expectations, it was uneven for me. Um, I thought it started okay and then got really, really slow. And then they tried to pick it up with a lot of the outside stuff. They did some crazy spots. There was a, They were using a table at one point, right? I think so, yeah. Um, was that Sonata that went out to get it? No, I think Chucky... No, Chucky T went and looked for that table, but... That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were doing, like, you know, stuff with the barricades and on the outside. It was pretty interesting, but um, I just didn't feel like these guys had a lot of chemistry. Um, But the ending was very good. The ending, like, sequences were good enough to where I started actually thinking uh, Chucky T was going to get the upset win. So, I mean, there's not much more you could really ask for from a a match like this when you there's one guy that you know is not going to win, and then they start popping you to make you think, like, maybe he will pull the upset. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely, yeah, that ending sequence, it gave you, a, like, a little doubt, like, mm-hmm. man, Chucky e. T could really pull us out. Yeah, I mean, he, he went for, like, a Michinoku driver. He almost hit the moonsault. The moonsault that Chucky e. T never, ever, ever hits. He's on yeah, that he, angle status. Yeah, he's on that Kurt Angle, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, he hit him with the awful waffle, and uh, Sonata kicked out of that. Yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, that's his finish. I mean, he's pinned a couple guys in multi-man matches with the awful waffle. There was a he, – he got put in the skull end, and then he – Reverse it into a cradle that I thought he was going to get the upset like pinfall off of. Yeah. So he was pretty much going for everything. But um, but yeah, eventually uh, Sonata got the skull and back in, locked it in, and then uh, of course his new thing now is he lets them go and then goes on top so he can hit that uh, Muda Moon Salt. Yeah, and he got the pinfall victory over Chucky e. T. It was a good main event. It wasn't great. Uh, I wouldn't be like, oh, it was bad. 
but it also wasn't something where I'd be like, hey, I recommend this match. You need to go out of your way and watch it or anything of that nature. Yeah. But if you're a completionist and you're watching the tournament, it's probably a good idea to just see it. But this was one of the weaker nights, obviously. Right. Um, and then ultimately, so that pretty much brings us to the point where, you know, that leaves us with, you know, Abushi going against Zack Sabre Jr., Yano and Sonata, Elgin and Juice, and Tanahashi and Fale. So that pretty much concluded the whole, like, first round, which the, the first round up to now has been excellent. Yeah, it's been awesome. So then we move on to night five. And the two tournament matches that night, we had uh, Michael Elgin taking on Juice Robinson and Tanahashi taking on Bad Luck Fale. Uh, so what do you think about Big Mike and Juice? It was okay. Um, I mean, like, I actually thought both matches this night on night five weren't the best. This That was the night they were in the gymnasium, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was one thing I thought was interesting was... Um, like we watch a lot of New Japan and we see when they do like the the gymnasium shows. Yeah. But you don't usually see a gymnasium show where it's the full broadcast like quality with the multiple camera angles. Yeah, normally like it was like in the World Tag League where you had like the single cam, mm-hmm. like not the best production value. So it's interesting to see like the full production show but still in like a uh like a gymnasium like that and new japan like kind of can throw you off in that way where they can like go from like being in a small to medium-sized arena with an awesome like production then that the next night they just got like one curtain up there (laughs) no no pyro no uh no video and the guys are just coming out and they're in a gym and you're like wow this is crazy like is this happening in the middle of the day like (laughs) probably is yeah so i mean it's interesting though because i kind of like it though with like a lot of Western products, like WWE specifically, is very like homogenized. Uh, every show pretty much takes place in the same setup now. I think even the pay per views have the same setup. Yeah, yeah, everything has the same setup. Raw, SmackDown, pay per views, NXT, two or not NXT, but uh, two hundred five. But like the takeovers do now. Yeah, takeovers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all. So it's kind of cool. Like you watch a New Japan show, and like they have different like arenas that are very distinct. Obviously, Kirkin's very distinct. It reminds me of, like, uh, I don't know, like, Dead or Alive or, like, Tekken, you know? Like yeah, the yeah. Different, like, stages, <laughs> yeah. arenas, you know, like, Street Fighter. It's kind of <laughs> cool. But, um, yeah, I thought that this this show was good but not great. And I thought both uh, matches, which was, what, that was Tanahashi and Fale and Elgin and Juice? Yeah. I thought they were both just good but not great. Right. So the story with this Elgin Juice match, Elgin's riding the momentum from that big win over Ishii. And I think he, the story of this match they were trying to tell was Elgin was overconfident from that big win and kind of underestimated uh, Juice Robinson here. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting because Elgin came in like hot off that win over Ishii and he looked so dominant and started to get you to believe like, you know, he could go all the way in this thing to a certain not that you would believe that he would, but like they're, they made it seem believable as far as like a kayfabe sense. And then, uh, I don't think I don't think hardly anybody had juice like going and like winning this match at all. No, not at all. I don't think anybody did. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that Juice picked up the win here. You think after such a big win over Ishii that they would send Elgin a little bit further into the tournament? But uh, the majority of our readers when we were doing the tournament contest had Ishii and Juice being the matchup, but. 
in all cases, only 22% of people that voted thought Juice was going to leave the second round. Yeah. I mean, that's like... So, I mean, hardly anybody thought... Most people thought Juice was winning the first round, but hardly anybody thought he was going to the, you know, the semifinals. Right, yeah. Nobody was calling that at all. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. This match, it was good, but it wasn't anything where I was like really, really blown away. Um, I thought that they worked well together. You know, Elgin hit a lot of his big stuff. Yeah, a lot of big power moves. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Juice was kind of just fighting from underneath the whole time. I, I didn't ever really feel like they kicked it into, like, the next gear. Right. It was almost like this kind of stayed at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Like, they hit that, like, almost like that three-star ish level and kind of stayed there yeah i mean the ending was good but basically it was a lot of it was like juice trying to fight back he's not really affecting elgin elgin's you know going for big moves and he's either hitting them or or juice is like trying to escape and juice is just fighting from underneath yeah. pretty much the whole time which i mean he's really good at doing he's a great baby face he kept firing up and yeah. you know getting like sympathy from the crowd and Elgin's Elgin. He's doing all his, like, high-flying, like, big man power moves and, Mm -hmm. you know, freakish athletic, like, you know, like, I don't know, those sentons and the crazy stuff. He's been doing Hurricane Rana's on this tour. Yeah, he's been wild now on this tour. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, the finish came. Uh, Elgin hits the buckle bomb, which he... Well, Juice looked for the pulp friction. Yeah. Yeah. And then then Elgin hit that... uh, Lariat. Yep. Yeah, and so then he goes for the buckle bomb, which he uses to set up the Elgin bomb. But Juice counters the Elgin Bomb into a cradle. Flash finish. Yeah. Gets him. And I like flash finishes. So that kind of like popped me. Like that brought the matchup a a lot for me. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it at all. Right. I was expecting Buckle Bomb, Elgin Bomb, end of the story. But yeah. This was not a match. I did not think Juice was winning here. Like I didn't expect it even a little bit. When I saw that he did, I was like, wow. Like I knew that, you know, Juice has like been elevated and um, his matches have been very good, but I just, it just shows you like they're putting a lot of stock in this kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a good match, nothing great. Um, it, it wasn't, again, it, it wasn't something that lived up to those first few nights, man, were so good. Like the Bushi Hashi match and Naito and Saber, Elgin and Ishii, the Juice and Takahashi, all yeah, those. Yeah, those were solid. Everything around there was like around the four star, like, Territory, so yeah. I mean, it was a. It, it's pretty hard to like live up to that territory with this match. It was like three, three and a, three and a half, maybe somewhere around that. Yeah, like, around there. But yeah, so Juice, I liked this though. One reason I liked it was because Elgin looked dominant the whole time, so it didn't necessarily take away from the credibility of his win in the right. first it's round. Right, it's not like he beat him with the pulp friction clean. Yeah, no, he, he caught him. He caught him. Yeah, yeah, he caught him slipping. So that that keeps you know a little bit of credibility credibility for Elgin in case they do decide to do more of him this year. But it was a clean win. Yeah, clean win, yeah. So, the f- next matchup we had was uh, Tom Bumble- Hot I'm bumbling out <laughs> here. Bumbling out here trying to text your girls back. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that is what I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> You're going on to a rant about the next match. I'm going to take a, a brief reprieve. I'm going to take a powder. <laughs> Shot. I don't- I'm gonna play to the crowd a little bit. Shout out to uh, gentleman, gentleman dragon on uh, Reddit who said that uh, Josh's phone and iPad are, you know, the third member of the show. Shout out to the hoes. <laughs> <laughs> they keep my, they keep it buzzing. They keep it chirping. <laughs> you know what? It's not even really that. Like, like we're over exaggerating this. What it really is is like. It's our group threads that, like, our friends just can't, like, stop 
sending us stuff about wrestling, and so it's just buzzing all the time. And I'm like, Caleb, like James, we're trying to we're trying to record trying to record something, <laughs> but then I don't want to say that, so I'm like, yeah, it's a hose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, also yeah. let me say I don't use that word derogatorily like this is just comedy it's a just yeah we're upstanding gentlemen I'm not out here like calling these thoughts hoes <laughs> oh man let's stop let's stop while oh we're my god yeah moving on uh, <laughs> uh, Tanahashi and uh, Bat- I, hope, I hope James Boyd never listens to this episode <laughs> well we know James doesn't listen to our show I, I know he, he he's doesn't. big league yeah <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't got time for us. Um, oh man, he would flame me so hard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but all seriously, guys, we were joking and all about that. We respect women on this show and in real life. Um, so yeah, uh, Tanahashi against Bad Luck Fale. You know, another good Tana Bad Luck Fale match. Tana really knows yeah. knows how to work with Fale. I and, like this better than the Juice and uh, Elgin match. Yeah, so did I. Uh, yeah, Tana really knows how to work with Fale and get a good match out of him. Not saying that Fale can't have good matches with other people, but Tana really knows how to work him to get the most out of the match. Yeah, I I really liked their G1 match because there was a point where it just it was really vicious. I remember like Fale cornering Tanahashi and like really laying into him with the strikes. And they've had matches in the past too, but I, that one really stuck out to me because of how desperate Tanahashi was the whole time and Fale was just really dominant. This match wasn't quite that. This was almost like Tanahashi came in with a better game plan and kind of stayed on the outside and really like used his speed and his quickness to keep like Fale guessing the whole time. Yeah. And dude, I forget how fast Tanahashi is, man. Yeah. When he fires up, dude, he like scales that top rope so quickly. Oh, that's one of my favorite things he does. Like yeah. the, the only the only person that's ever done that better than him is Macho. Like when I see him do it, I, like he does it with the same mannerism and the same like characteristic. And I'm sure, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's listeners out there who are like, well, Will Osprey gets up there. Like you know, there's guys that like fling themselves up like like Rob Van Dam. Like Rob Van Dam. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But, but climb the way he climbs yeah. is the same way Macho does. It's so graceful and it's quick. Quick. It's yeah. Really. Really quick. quick. Yeah. And it's the same way Macho Man did. And, like, no one in the 80s did it. And even right now, no one, still nobody, like, in, in wrestling in general, moves like Tanahashi when they're getting to the top rope. Like, nobody. And I was also surprised um, that he had a high fly flow crossbody to the outside. This man just came back from a knee injury. And he's out here, you know, risking Bro, it all. He doesn't know how to stay away, dude. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what's funny was, like, I remember around the time... I don't remember which match. There was a match where he was wrestling some someone from the Bullet Club, and he got busted open. Do you remember that? Uh, he did a high-five flow, and he hit his head on, I think, like Matt or Nick Jackson's head. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, And it yeah. was around that time. He said he was, unless it was a really big match, he was going to stop high-five flow into the outside. And that never happened. <laughs> it might have been AJ. Every, every match is a big match. <laughs> Dude, like, yeah, bro. Like... He's on that Abushi status. Like yeah. Abushi's like 
doing moonsaults off of balconies every night. Like, it's like, why? Bro? Yeah. But, um, yeah, you would think with his knee problems and stuff, he would slow down. But I guess, you know, he said during that press conference, he took five pounds off. Yeah. It's it's relieved the pressure on his uh, knees. Yeah, man. But he's in the phenomenal shape. So. Oh, and he's working legs again. Yeah, that's Let's right. That's right. That. That's right. He's on that leg. He's doing He's Hindu not squats. skipping leg day again. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently that rejuvenates your knees and like the tendon and all the years of damage right so that's great he found, he found the magic I will say this though the way he hit Fale with that that uh, I mean you couldn't imagine a, a prettier or more perfect high five float to the outside I was like wow this dude can Tanahashi's still as dude, good as he's he great was. man he's great yeah so this was but yes I mean Fale ended up just you know chasing Tanahashi around the whole time. He did have his moments, but Tanahashi, it wasn't like Tanahashi was hurting Fale. He was just frustrating him, and right? Like really, just kind of outsmarting him, outsmarting him using his quickness. And then um, this one almost ended on, or this one ended on a count, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. What happened? Uh, Bad luck, Fale was looking to hit the bad luck fall. Tanahashi on the floor. Right. But Tanahashi countered and pushed him over the barricade and got back in for the count out win. That was a little bit when they were doing it, it was great that it worked out, but the way it was, it could have ended kind of badly. Like it was a little sloppy and I was like I was <gasps> Tana <laughs> No, Ace <laughs> But uh yeah, they did that really well and uh the way Fale went over and then uh, you know, obviously Tanahashi got the one, two, three, or the uh, you know, he got in right before the twenty count. And I liked this because again, it's the same thing with like the Elgin match. Like Fale didn't look bad in defeat. He looked credible. He looked a little dumb, but that was about like he got outsmarted. But that was about it. Um, Tanahashi barely squeaked by, and uh, Juice barely squeaked by on this night. So. Kind of like fluky upsets on that night. Not that they were upsets, but like the way they told the story. Right. Like they barely won. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting the way they did that. It was kind of like the theme of the night. So, night six. Yeah. So, the next night, night six, we had. Is it night six or is it night seven? No, night, night six. six. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were in the quarterfinals. We had uh, Sonata against Toro Yanu and Kota Abushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. I was excited for this night. Yeah. I was excited for this night because we've seen Yano and Sonata and they're, they have a good chemistry for whatever reason. And then we've, we saw Abushi and Zack Sabre Jr. in the G1 last year. And that was fantastic. And plus, with like the run that Zack Saber's been on, plus it's Ibushi, like I was very hyped for this night, much more than night five. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about uh, Sonata and Toroyano here. Um, so this was a really short match, only six minutes and fifty six seconds. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's how I like my Yano matches. See, that was the problem with the Davy Boy Smith match. It wasn't necessarily like what they did was wrong. It's just it was too, too long, too long, too much of it. And when you when you had, I don't know. I've seen Toro Yano in like longer decent matches. It just that one wasn't one of them. If you're gonna do his standard like, you know, BS win in the New Japan Cup, like cut it down. Like they could have done it in half the time like this one. And this one was good. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but <laughs> for a comedy match, I mean, it's it's what I like from comedy in New Japan. Yeah, and I mean, once again, you know, Yano trying to do his antics. There was a low blow by Yano for a cradle. Gets to two. Uh, Yano argues with the ref, which then a uh, low blow by Sonata, and then puts the skull in to get the win. Yeah, so I mean, you know, wrestling is subjective. There are people who really just don't like 
Toriano and that sort of thing. But and I'm not necessarily the biggest comedy guy when it comes to my wrestling. I, I like hard hitting, violent matches. But what I liked about this was how many times Toro Yano kept going for the pinfall and it kept like looking like he was about to pull the upset. Yeah. Even though I think the majority of people who watched or who like were predicting this thought Sonata was gonna win. You know? Yeah, right. It like it showed the desperation of like what Toriano was trying to accomplish by like getting him out of there as quickly as possible. Cause I think he realized like the longer it went on like the less chance he has of winning. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I mean, this was good. I mean, what were your like final thoughts on it? I mean, it was fine. I mean, it's, it's a Yano match. Like, I don't, I'm not expecting Yano to come out here and have you know a five star, you know, chain wrestling classic or anything. You'd be surprised. I bet he could. <laughs> he probably could if he really wanted to, but I'm, I'm not expecting that. Um, so yeah, it was fine for what it was. Um, Post match, uh, Sonata left him in the paradise lock he put the ref in the paradise lock and he put yagi in the paradise lock oh oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> i like that sonata hit him with the low blow yeah so give him a taste of his own medicine yeah so that was good so i mean the right guy went over sonata's going to the final you know the semifinals, and that leads us to the main event of night six yeah so kota abushi versus the submission master zsj Zach Sabre Jr. Yeah, so this was great. Yeah. This is really, really great. Um, what were your thoughts, Jeremy? Man, this was a very solid match. I love their match from the G1, and this was another very solid match between both these guys. Once again, Zach Sabre Jr., the aggressor, and he really just kicked Kota Ibushi's ass in this match. He dominated him, bro. Like... Um, Kota Bushi actually put up uh, more of a struggle, more of a fight, I would say, than Naito did. Yeah. But even with that, like, he was working from underneath, and it was all hope spots. It was all, you know, hope strikes. But what's amazing about this man, Zack Sabre Jr., is, like, his his attacks, where he's focusing on limbs, the, the psychology behind it. So, like, if, if he knows a guy's, like, great with kicks like Kota Bushi, he's, he's attacking those legs, he's attacking the knees, yeah. and he's weakening his, like, strengths as the match goes on so that the weapons get neutralized. It's just so 80s, like, so, <laughs> like, I that's what I, I love that stuff, man. Yeah, but Saber, I mean, yeah, very brutal, picking apart the body parts. And the thing with Saber, man, it's like, he just grabs whatever. Like, even though he does target, like, the spots, like, I mean, he'll grab whatever. He'll grab an arm or wrist, like, knee, leg, whatever he can get his hands on, man. He's going to grab it and crank it. What I like, too, is there's a very, like, MMA slash, like, combat sport-esque uh, vibe to what he's doing because he'll be wrapping the guys up and grappling with them and then hurt them and then they'll, they'll escape and then they'll get up and they think he's going to go for another hold and then all of a sudden a European uppercut and then he goes in for like the, the freaking like takedown or whatever it is that he's trying to get on them. Right. So he's like keeping them guessing the or, whole time. Or he'll think they'll think like if he attacked the legs the whole match they'll think he's going for the legs and then he'll jump up for the arm bar or something so he's always keeps them like throws them off. It's not to say that like Ibushi didn't have any offense he did but it was always like on the tail end of a big attack that had come from Zack Sabre Jr. and it was him trying to get traction in the match and he was just working from behind the whole time Yeah, he was never able to catch up like at any point in this right. match 
So yeah, I mean, uh, Saber was doing a lot of his, uh, you know, signature submission stuff. Hit uh, Ibushi with a PK. Um, he goes for it again. Ibushi blocks it, lays some strikes down, takes Saber down, hits a power slam, but uh, Saber countered it. Uh, and he's going, for the, he's going for the moonsault, but Saber countered it. That's into, one of my favorite spots. Triangle. The first time I ever saw that was when uh, Kyle Riley and Kushida wrestled in the Best of Super Juniors. Like I might have seen it before, but it was, that's the first time it ever like stuck out to me. Yeah. And ever since then, like I've seen it several times. Even in I think in the like two hundred five, it's happened a couple times now too. But I just I always pop for that spot like every single time, and uh, I thought at that point like it was over. I was like, oh, because <laughs> he started hitting with the elbows, and I was like Anderson Silva, you know? Yeah, like it's it's gonna be like a ref stoppage. But um, yes, yeah, so, I mean after that, like uh, Ibushi like basically escaped and powered out. Saber put him in the octopus hold. Ibushi escaped again, and then like I talked about, uh, Saber starts hitting with knee strikes. So he goes from like holds to strikes but he's not relying on the strikes he's using them to basically set up the next submission yep and he uh abushi ended up hitting a wrist clutch suplex and he rolled him to go for the knee strike and uh saber like countered it into another octopus hold that was tight i like that yeah and then um he got both arms trapped and right when both those arms were trapped you're like this is it like yeah abushi's like had enough yeah and he took him to the mat Saber started laying in the elbows, and then um, as Ibushi was trying to fight the crowd, and the crowd was like getting behind him, you know, and they were like, like really trying to rev him up. Um, Saber like cradled him like he was going for a pin, and uh, like Uno just stopped it. Yeah, like which I thought was kind of bizarre because it looked like it should have been a pin attempt, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I guess in his judgment, he just saw. I, like, I guess maybe he he was getting ready to call it as he was doing that. That's I love that. I love rep stoppages like when it's warranted. I don't know if this really was like if this was a fight, quote yeah. unquote, like an yeah. MMA fight, I think I would call that a bad stoppage, but I mean, you didn't see like you didn't see Kotobushi and character get up and like really try to say anything about it. You know what I mean? Right. And um yeah. I don't know cuz I've seen fights where guys have have been on the bad end of a bad ref stoppage and they'll get up and kind of like they'll arc. protest it yeah. and it's a big deal but abushi took the loss because abushi was like done bro he got dude dominated. he was wrapped up in there man like yeah. there was no escaping like either like tap or you know risk getting injury i thought this match like <clears throat> like vastly outdid the g1 match that they had last year yeah um like this has been incredible like saber is just on such a run right now it's shocking to me that i mean everyone knows how good saber is and everything like that but like the way this push he's gotten in in new japan i did not see that coming yeah i mean i know well you had him going in the next round i mean i wrote him out in the first round like yeah he's a part of suzuki gun he's good and all but like i was not expecting them to like get behind him and like give him this monster push that he's getting right now yeah i uh i don't know i mean in a way, when you start seeing it happen and the way they're delivering it and doing it, it makes all the sense in the world. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and like <laughs> when before this, I've looked at my bracket and I've I did not have him going over Bushi. And the more I've like go back and think about it, I'm like, yeah, I still wouldn't have picked Zack Saber to to beat him because I just didn't think that that was the way they were gonna go. I mean, you could use the the logic and be like, well, Bushi's with the Golden Lover thing and all that, and that makes sense. 
But I just didn't think they were going to push Zack Sabre Jr. And I right. didn't think if he, like, quote-unquote, won these matches, that it would be this, this way. Yeah, so many, I mean, these aren't, like, 50-50 matches. These are, like, 80-20. They're, they're dominations. And Sabre, they're dominations. Yeah. And, and these are not just, like, you know, mid-card guys. These are top guys he's beating. Yeah. So, I mean, um, Zack Sabre Jr. is just proving, like, night in and night out right now why he's the best technical wrestler in the world. And he's making a case right now that he might be the best wrestler in the world, like, from a, a pure, like, catch-as-catch-can, like, mechanical. I don't know anyone, anyone in the ring that's as smooth as him. And, I mean, like, on, in one way, Okada is, but in another way, like, he's not. Like, yeah. what he's doing is, like, true wrestling. <laughs> it's really – the only thing I don't like about it is – and it's always been my criticism of Zack Sabre Jr. is, like – he gets guys in moves that should be like finishers, but he just transitions and transitions and lets them out for no reason. Yeah. And I guess you have to do that to like build up the, uh, I don't know, like the, um, anti- like the drama of the match. Yeah. But at the same time, I sometimes I just see moves where I'm like, why did he let go of that? Why is why is this guy not tapping? Like, <laughs> you know. But what's nice is he's like transitioning a lot quicker than he used to, so it's not like he's holding them there and it's like the whole big like dramatic like trying to get to the ropes forever. Like they will do that in in timed spots during the match, which is adding to the drama as opposed to like a whole like. Just re- it's not a. You would think like a guy using this many submission holds and and stuff. You would you think you'd get bored because you'd be like rest hold city right. Right. But it's not. This is the difference between working a hold and a rest hold. Yeah. And I've always said this like guys today don't know how to work holds, but like when I go back and I watch like Nick Bockwinkle or I watch like a Vern Gagne or, or something like that, those guys knew how to work holds and you could actually like Billy Robinson they worked holds and that's what what Zack Saber Jr. is doing and it is. Amazing. Yeah, work a hole and stretch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, man. Another impressive win by Sabre here. Huge win. How, how did the brackets do with Sabre? I think um, for the people... So, we had... For the different um, people that had Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. going up against one another, 83% of them had Ibushi winning that match. Wow. Yeah, huge. That's huge. So, I mean, we called Michael Elgin the bracket buster, but, like, Zack Sabre Jr. Well, I mean, first, is the bracket yeah, buster. Well, first it, was, first it was Elgin. Then it was Juice. Well, Elgin, because he took out one of the, like, fan favorites in Ishii. Like, yeah. a lot of people had him as being their, their people. But this man took out Naito and Debushi, two of the top heavily favored dudes for the whole tournament. He took them out back-to-back. So, I mean, if you want to see, see someone who, like, broke most of the brackets up, it's Zack yeah. Sabre Jr. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy. So, yeah. So, let's talk about New Japan Cup Night 7. Yes. Yeah, so, Night 7, there was only one tournament match this night. Um, it was... It's kind of sad about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Juice Robinson going against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And there was some kind of uh, built-up... Um, little tension between these guys the previous night they yeah. were in a multi-man match and their team won but uh juice i think was offering a handshake to tana and tana didn't want to accept he it he didn't want it yeah yeah one other thing too uh, i don't know if you've seen any of them but like juice has been on fire on the mic oh the, uh, the promos his promos for this tournament every night have been 
like phenomenal. Some of the best uh, promos I've seen in New Japan this whole year. No, see, I haven't had a chance to see any of the English promos. On- he's killing it. He's killing it. And tr- when I say he's killing it, I mean he's killing it. Nice. Like, not only is his in-ring work great, but like his promo work is awesome. And if he would just get some better ring gear, he might, <laughs> he might, he might be ready for a run, brother. <laughs> uh, big run. Big run on top. So, and uh, here again, at the start of this match, uh, Juice uh, offered the handshake again, and Tyler refused again. So, and I think that kind of fueled the fire of Juice in this match, and he was really aggressive in this match with Tana. Yeah, so, I mean, um, this was also, like, you know, it plays into the fact that, like, Juice is, you know, a former Young Lion, and he, I think he was, like, one of the personal, like, assistants to Tanahashi. So, he was Tanahashi's young boy, basically. Right. And, like, Juice has gone on record many times, said, like, one of, like he's one of his four top all-time favorite wrestlers ever you know so it's like it's the student wrestling the teacher wrestling the master so i mean there's a whole built-in story there which is really nice yeah and um juice here i mean he was for the most part he was the baby face in this match with tanahashi kind of playing like subtle subtle heel so that way uh, juice can fire up i love when tanahashi plays heel i've seen him do it in ddt we saw it uh, years ago when he started to try to, like, kind of tease that in his feud with uh, Okada. Yeah. And every now and again, we get, like, grumpy old man Tanahashi, which is, like, who I think... <laughs> and, and he was wearing all black, too, the dark dark ace. Yeah, I think he's going to go that way one of these days. Like, not, like, be a full-on heel, but, like... When he's, Just be like grumpy Tana. When he's a New Japan dad, he's just going to be like the grumpiest, like meanest. He's going to be guy. like Tiger Mask just out yeah. there like slapping the crap out of young boys. Yeah, I'm going to love it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, in this match here, um, Tana was, you know, we saw a lot of dragon screws. Yeah, from Tanahashi. Yeah, working on Juice's leg. Oh, yeah, he worked the legs extensively in this match, which... Yeah. Um, you know, was him trying to set up for the uh, the clover leaf? Right, not not the sharpshooter, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Kelly. No, that's uh, Don Callis. Don Callis. Every hole, every leg holds a sharpshooter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's working that trying to work the Texas clover leaf. Uh, the like the first half of this, it was not bad. It was you know Tanahashi. Showing that he was better, like, when it came to grappling and, like, like you said, kind of being a jerk. Where this match really started to heat up was once it got to the floor. Yeah. And, uh, basically, like, Tanahashi was, like, trying to attack Juice's knees on the post. And then, um... Or actually, no, that's not what happened. I forget. How did how did they end up on the outside? Oh, yeah. Tanahashi was looking for the high-five flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, this is actually that's where that's where it really uh, started. Okay, my bad. So Juice fired up with jabs. Tanahashi kicked uh, kicked out Juice's knees, and then Juice cut him off with a clothesline and went for the cannonball and missed. And Tanahashi like rolled out to the floor. Right. Yeah. And so then Juice threw him into the barricade and was trying to think of like what his next attack was. And they did a great sell here because he was like looking around. And he acted like he's gonna go back in the ring, and then he turned around. And he thought about it, and he was like. F it. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for and it. And he goes for the cannonball. Tana, Tana had a perfect sell. He was just like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tanahashi put his hands up and he was like, no. no. 
and he hit it so beautifully and I was like wow like this match literally just went up a couple notches in my in my book yeah and then uh that's like when things started going really good and um juice basically when they went went back inside juice went up top oh no no, no I'm sorry uh yeah 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 juice went up top and tanahashi crotched him and then he looked for the high five flow and then juice either on purpose or accidentally bumped into the referee right into uno and hit him into the ropes and then that crotched tanahashi and i was like all right <laughs> all right here we here we go this is some drama right now and then um you know they kept fighting uh he went for several different like clover leafs um, at that point, that's when they started going into, like, the teases for, like, the Pulp Friction and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, eventually it got to the point now where um, Juice, he got Tana down. Um, he countered with that, uh, hit that gut buster, like, suplex. suplex thing. I popped for that. That was nice. I popped for that. Yeah, that was a very innovative move right there. And then uh, Juice went to the top, and he hit the uh, the crossbody, the high fly flow crossbody. Yeah. And then he hit the high fly flow frog splash. Yeah, that for frog a splash great cool. near fall. I mean, it was like two point seven five seconds there that Tana barely let the shoulder up, man. And uh, so yeah, so and uh, Juice couldn't believe it. So then he looks for uh, pole friction. Tana fights out. And they trade strikes, and then Tana hits a dragon suplex, has to the top, high fly flow to the back, and then high fly flow to the uh, chest. There was another really great near fall prior to that where uh, Tanahashi went up and hit a standing high fly flow on the inside. Yeah. And he landed it, and then Juice rolled through. Yes, 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 And yes. I was like, I thought it was over. Like, I thought he just beat the A flash finish, yeah. Yeah, He and that was that's what I'm talking about when I say... They'll play off the last match. So the same way he got that flash finish on Elgin, it looked for a split second like he'd done the same thing to Tanahashi. And I was like, wow, this is the miracle kid. And, it, was, and it made it believable. Because like, he he'd it. already done it to Elgin. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this this match was stupendous. And I will say this. As impressed as I was with Tanahashi, and it was one of those performances where you're like, wow, Ace has still got it. Juice was as good if not maybe better in this match like he really raised his yeah, his game he, to, to Tanahashi's level yeah what would you rate this match uh like four and a quarter yeah probably maybe yeah probably around there yeah. really 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 and really I'm good. surprised like looking back now how long this match was 29 minutes 55 seconds didn't seem like it yeah uh, it was a little slow in the beginning. Uh, the legwork, while it told a good story, was a little slow. I could see that. But, like, once they, like I said, once it was to the outside and they did that cannonball spot, it was all action nonstop from there. And, I mean, for me, when a match gets in the second gear or third gear or whatever, you know, at the end, that always leaves a better impression for me than if it was, like, hot and then slow. and You know what I mean? Like, a good ending sequence to a match is always going to... That's why I like Okada matches so yeah, much. Yeah, because there's ending sequences, yeah. Same thing with Tanahashi matches. So, yeah, I thought that this match was awesome. And then at the end of it, too, um, like, Juice and him, like, the, like, interactions that they had where he, like... Helped him up. He and helped him finally up. shaked his hand. Yeah, so... I he was, earned Tanahashi's respect. Yep, yep. And uh, the people were behind Tanahashi the whole match, but Juice put in such a good performance at the end that they were chanting his name when the match was over. Yeah. So I thought that was, I was like, even though this, even though Juice didn't win, like this was another like elevating performance for him, which is great. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, so 
you know, Tanahashi goes on. My bracket is still good. <laughs> uh, Juice gets elevated in a spot that I didn't ever expect him to be in. So, I mean, that's freaking awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I really want to see Juice Robinson win a title this year. I think I think he deserves it. Yeah. I mean, he his timing and his selling and uh, his facial, like... <laughs> expressions and his body language are just he's getting so comfortable in the ring and he's knowing how to read a match and build drama on a level I'm like this is a main event this is a main event guy like he yeah. wrestles main event style like he's really 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 good and I know his goal he wants to win the never title so maybe we'll see him and go to some point later this year good luck with that he's but, gonna win the strong style uh, world championship I don't know, man. Maybe maybe it won't be the Strong Style World Championship anymore. Maybe it'll be I, something else. I think the, the Intercontinental title has become the Strong ti- Strong Style Championship now. For now. For now. But it seemed like for years, like that never title. Like, I've yeah. just always thought, like, this it's is the Strong this Style. This is the World Strong Style World title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you hold this belt, you're risking your life. How about earlier on the show, uh, they did that that four-way with Bushi, Sonata, Naito, and Takahashi against Desperado, Kanemaru, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taka. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the match, um, when... Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong match. <laughs> that was um, that was the night before, right? No, I'm thinking about when uh, Gato and Okada wrestled Izuka and Suzuki. Uh, and we got that stare-down post-match with... Uh, uh, both champs. Yeah, both champs holding up their, their titles against each other. And I was like, huh... Maybe maybe we'll see that down the line. Yeah, they, they champion did, versus champion matchup. That's what Okada's been doing every night on this tour is just wrestling guys that could potentially challenge him again down the line. Yeah, I mean, he's wrestled Suzuki, um, Ibushi a lot of times. And Tanahashi. Tana, yeah. Um, Knight. I think him and Naito were against one another one of the nights. Maybe I, I could be wrong. So. I think so. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, but to what, say the least. what you were mentioning was um, what you were thinking about was that a tag match that Lij versus Zuki Goon, where um, Lij got the win, and then post match there was a brawl between um, the juniors. Yeah, Bushi and um, Takahashi and Kanamaru and uh, Desperado, and then uh, Rapungi Three K uh, came out of the crowd in street clothes. And beat both teams down. That's right. Yeah, that is what I was thinking of. So it looks like they're going in the way of another uh, three-way dance for the junior tag titles. Yeah, this is pretty much becoming like the heavyweight tag at the end of last year where you had L- or, um, G.O.D., War Machine, and K.E.S. in three ways, like back-to-back for like five, six shows in a row. I mean, I imagine this would have to be better than that. <laughs> I mean, it, it will be better than that, but I'm just saying, like, that's... But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple other notes before we talk about the last night here. Um, how about Dave Finley's been doing commentary? Yeah. So that's been interesting. The first night, I thought it was atrocious. Yeah. Like, really, really, really bad. I saw a lot of people that liked it, but I just thought he seemed really nervous. I don't mean to tear him down or anything, but I just, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade. I didn't think it was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was rough. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of hard depending on the tours. I guess, like, Rocky Romero wasn't there because uh, he normally does. I don't think Rocky Romero is very good either. But in a way, like, maybe this, I don't know, Rocky Romero kind of seems, like, stuck in his ways. And, like, Dave Finley's a young guy. Maybe he's, like, willing to kind of, like, learn. But yeah. 
He was the best at the main event with uh, Tana and Juice. Yeah, I think it's because he's, he was he, involved with those two guys. Right, he's so close with both those guys, and like Juice is like one of his best friends. Mm. So he was like really into that match. There was one thing that was uh, that was funny was the night I don't remember which night it was, but the, <laughs> the night where uh, Fale got in the ring and attacked the ring announcer, and Kevin Kelly was like. Like, he said something to, to Dave Finley when he got on commentary. He's like, what? Did you see that? And he's like, oh, yeah, he attacked the ring announcer. And he's like, you know why he does that, right? And Kevin Kelly's like, no. He's like, oh, it's because they called him Tama one time. <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, yeah, they called him Tama Tonga. And ever since then, he's had a blind hatred for all ring announcers. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, that makes sense. And he's like, I don't blame him. <laughs> he's like, it's justified. It's justified. <laughs> oh, man. Really funny stuff. All right, so now on to night eight of the New Japan Cup. Again, only one tournament match with the main event of uh, Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Sonata. How about this? Shota Umino and uh, Ren Narita had a singles match to open the show. Uh, so, yeah, I missed the undercard of this one of this show I didn't get a chance to see you've seen everything up to except for you saw the main event and then you saw all the other shows completely you just missed the undercard this is the only night that I missed the undercard there really was I mean every show's been solid there's been except for there was a terrible oh my god Jeremy Ishii Yano against Taichi and Izuka is so bad and Uh, it's like nine minutes and it goes to a DQ an actual DQ, bro. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I missed that. <laughs> but uh, Umino Narita wasn't like anything great. But I just figured we should probably mention it because it's so off, like few and far between. We see these young lions go one one on one, and uh, Umino beat Narita with the Boston Crab. I thought it was a pretty good match. It was, I think, from the last time I saw these two guys wrestle each other in the Young Lion Cup, it was an improvement. Yeah. So I mean, you know, good match. Um, nothing else really crazy happened on this except for oh there was one thing Dave Finley and Hiroshi Tanahashi wrestled Okada and Chucky e. T mm-hmm. and Dave Finley uh, got out of the awful waffle and rolled up Chucky e. T and got the one two three nice yeah I mean big win that's a big it, win that's a big win for Dave Finley like <laughs> we said it multiple times like anytime like Dave Finley comes out we're like oh well that team's losing yeah pretty much <laughs> and uh, at the end of that match Tanahashi and Okada stared each other down Okada held up the IWGP title and uh, Tanahashi put his hand up and I was like oh. mm. so they've been teasing a lot oh another th- so we're missing out on quite a few different yeah, things yeah here. the um, Suzuki and Naito stuff right yep yeah tell us about that so yeah so in the, there have been a couple of multi-man matches throughout this tour LIJ versus Suzuki Goon with Naito and Suzuki in there and of course, Naito being tranquilo, pissing off Suzuki, not taking Suzuki seriously, and kind of frustrating Suzuki. He's been turning his back to him at the opening of every match, yeah. like not even caring if they jump him or anything. And you know, usually when it comes to like title defenses, like Suzuki, usually it's not like quick to like challenge people, and like he makes people chase him. Well, yeah, well, he won't offer a title shot to anybody. Like, right. He's like, defend my belt. Why would I do that? I'm the champion. <laughs> what a dumb concept. <laughs> but, um, I mean, one night he, like, laid the belt down to... He was so frustrated yeah. with Naito. He, like, wanted to get his hands on him. Yeah, he laid the belt. Like, come on. You want, you want a challenge for the belt? Like, I want to get my hands on you. Like, I want to gotch pile drive you. <laughs> uh, so, I'm guessing... I'm looking at the screenshot. I guess this night there was a, another... Um, encounter between them. Yeah, they they had another match. Um, 
LIJ ended up winning, and then uh, they the young boys had to come in and restrain Suzuki. Yeah. And then um, they like pulled him like to where he was like leaving, and then he like ran back into the ring and tried to attack Naito again. <laughs> Naito like didn't do anything like, and then they they basically like held uh, Suzuki back again. So Suzuki's like starting to get like he's really getting under Suzuki's skin. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that it's this is leading to a title match between them, which is kind of interesting because. This is a dude who just lost the first round of the New Japan Cup, but I guess didn't drop his stock enough to where right. he's not and, in a title. Something this thought just came to me, so bear with me here. Do you think that Naito is kind of being positioned at the Nakamura level? Yeah, I've I've said that. Yeah. You you think you just came up with that? <laughs> no, I came up with that. I said that. Oh, I said my my bad. I, I guess I missed that. Episodes ago, <laughs> man. I I think uh you know what actually it might not have been here. It might have been when, when I did the SMC podcast with uh Rance and uh Caleb, Caleb and Carl. Uh, Carl was not there. on that yeah, episode. Yeah. But I, I said essentially like he is in he's in the Nakamura or uh, yeah the Shinsuke Nakamura role where he doesn't need the title. But I mean yeah but I mean he can get the IC title and he, like he can elevate another title. I think he does eventually need to get a, t- a big title run, but um maybe not like this month. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I was saying like back then I was saying this is like right off right off after Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom like what what are your thoughts on it? Because obviously, great minds think alike. I'm not, I'm not accusing you of stealing my freaking you know thing, even though you did. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, that episode was that Wrestle Kingdom episode you did with those guys was a while ago. Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like Naito, super hot like guy, like with the crowd, super hot, um, top guy, charismatic, charismatic, sells like, all the merch. Like he could easily like be like kind of like Nakamura was with the IC belt and like when you think about the IC belt you think about Nakamura and like all the great matches he had with that belt and like he's leading the most popular faction yeah kind of like held it down yeah um so I can easily see that being Naito's role like and especially now with this whole rivalry where he's like getting under Suzuki's skin I think like if they have a title match I could see Naito winning because Suzuki will be kind of might be too aggressive and throwing off his game and then Naito like pulls one out on him yeah i mean i could see that i'm i'm gonna hold off making predictions until i see a card in front of me but uh yeah i mean i don't doubt you at all that could definitely happen so it's been interesting i didn't think they were gonna go that way but it's you know with the new japan cup like kind of taking up all the airspace and everything like that it's hard to like predict what's gonna happen we've got two really big shows coming up this the rest of this month we've got actually three we've got the new japan cup finals this coming Wednesday, we've got Strong Style Evolved on Sunday, and then one week later we got Sakura Genesis, and that's right before we go to WrestleMania. You know, so it's we don't even have a, a card announced for Genesis. We don't have we only have three matches, and only two of them are for sure happening at Strong Style Evolved. So everything's been up in there. It's been hard to like really predict what's going to happen between now and then. And things are starting to just now shake out. You know. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about this tournament match between um, Saber and Sonata, and something too that we I think I don't know if we mentioned it last week, but we, I know we talked about it off air that about uh, Takamichi Nohu is kind of like the ghetto for um, Zack Saber Jr. cutting the promos every night, um, hyping him up. Well, I saw somebody 
post about this and it was very interesting. They were saying that, you know, Zack Sabre Jr., when he usually has his post-match promos, they tend to be very lengthy and wordy and not something that necessarily gets him over with the fans or pops them, you know? Yeah. But having this guy who is his mouthpiece and can kind of deliver promos to the Japanese audience, he's really delivering a very, very simple, like, idea. If you face Zack Sabre Jr., you will tap out. Right. That's all he's saying. <laughs> and then each night he just talks about everybody he's tapped out. Just tap out. He tapped out Naito. He tapped out um, Ibushi. He's so. tapped out. We talked about it. He's tapped out a lot of guys since he's been in New Japan. I mean, he beat Shibata. He beat Ishii. He beat Fale. He beat Tanahashi already. I mean, he's beaten a lot of top guys so far in his run. And, I mean, this is just kind of continued that. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So the winner of this match will meet Tana in the finals. Here's another thing I saw that I thought was very interesting. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll we'll hold off for the preview. We'll hold off for the okay, preview. Okay, I'll mention okay. it though. I'm not gonna forget. Okay. Um. So yeah. So this match, um, I feel like it started off a little bit slow. Um, kind of like almost like a feeling out process. And yeah. Like, um. I think uh, Sonata did a great job in the beginning, almost kind of like keeping up with Saber and trying to like keep up with the wrestling. His athleticism and the fact that he's so prodigious in different aspects of the game really made it difficult for Zack Saber Jr. Plus, obviously, it's a tournament that they're going not every well. They are wrestling every single night, so they're not in tournament matches every night. But every night of the tour, these guys have been wrestling, so that plays into the storyline of like these guys are not getting off nights. They're you know right, and also Sonata's getting getting an opportunity to study Zack and see what does and doesn't work for him. So with that being said, it, it, it kind of gave him a bit of an advantage. And he did better against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. in this tournament than either Naito or Ibushi did. Right. He's put up more of a fight than those guys. Um, something interesting, um, at one point Sonata got uh, Sabre in the Paradise Lock. And because Saber is like the escape, you know, wizard, I was thinking maybe he would have found a way out of the paradise lock. Not out of Milano's paradise. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the most escapable move in the whole world. Like the, t- the best, like technical wrestler can't escape it. Even like, yeah, you gotta be kidding me. There's only one key to unlocking the paradise lock. You have to get kicked in the butt. Yeah. Like, that's just I don't like the paradise lock, lock at all. Like I don't. I know you hate that move. Every time it happens, you like get pissed off. Because it's bullcrap. <laughs> Because it, it's supposed to be sports style and, like, this is the most um, – like, I cannot suspend my belief to think that someone can not get out of that, like – or even get put in it to begin with. Like, come on, man. Come on. Like, well, maybe you need to get locked up in the paradise lock, Josh. I'll get out. <laughs> I'll just pull my arms out. You'll expose the business. <laughs> God. Oh, there was a funny promo that Zack Sabre Jr. did uh, the night before he wrestled Ibushi. And he was like, Ibushi, if you try to – I know you're a madman. But if you try to go to the top of one of these balconies and you try to moonsault on me, I'm going to freaking move. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to move and then I'm going to take what's left of your caucus and I'm going to drag it into that ring and I'm going to put you in a heel hook and submit you. And I was like, that's great. And he's like, why would you just stand there if someone is throwing their body on top of you off a building? You just move. And I was like, Zack Sabre is great. This man out here exposing the business. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this match was um, there was a lot of chain wrestling like it was a very like chain grappling centric match and 
I mean, obviously, Sonata didn't get the better of most of the exchanges, but he was very competent most of the time, and he even was able to work certain, like, whole... There were times where, like, Sabre was having trouble with him, but Sabre would typically get out and then work his holds and then, you know, create the drama. And as the... In the, in the beginning, it was all, like... It, it was very even and as time went on and Sonata got tireder and tireder it got harder and harder for him to keep up with Zack Sabre's pace which yeah. is like neck it's like I don't know it's what what do you call it when a guy's going like really fast or whatever like they call it like neck break pace or whatever you know what I'm uh, saying I know that I think I know what you're talking break about break neck pace I don't know I don't know, what I, know I know what you're talking about but I don't know what the phrase whatever. is whatever whatever <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of stamina <laughs> Yeah. Stamina bar stays full. Yeah, and uh, uh, Sonata had like a beautiful um, Saito suplex at one point. Uh, Saber had him in the abdominal stretch, and he like countered out and hit that nice Saito suplex. Yeah, yeah, he was mixing up the match a lot more with like strikes, and um, Sonata was trying to like move a lot, like not. So it wasn't like he was just playing Zack Saber's game, even though he could. He was doing a lot of athletic movement and, you know, running the ropes and dr- big drop kicks, things like that to try to, like, keep Zack Sabre guessing. But every time Zack really got a chance, he would, you know, essentially start working his mat-based wrestling. And it was that, – that was that was the problem for Sonata. Yeah, and um, after that – Oh, and the arms. Oh, yeah. He was killing his arms. Oh, yeah. The, that was his, the, the, the – The game plan. The whole game that plan. That way he wouldn't be able to lock in the skull in. Which I love that stuff. Yeah. I love that stuff. Brilliant matter. The, the, the IQ, the technical IQ of this man. His ring? <laughs> In-ring technician. His ring generalship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after that Saito suplex, uh, Sonata got a near fall off of that. Um, then he went for the moonsault, but uh, landed on his feet. But then uh, Sabre hit a PK and uh, immediately went back to work on the arm and was stomping on Sonata's arm. Um, Sonata came back with the springboard missile drop kick, and both of them are down. Uh, Saber um, hits with a series of uppercuts and um, counters a TKO into a hanging Kimura. Yeah. And uh, Sonata powered at, uh, powers out and gets into the skull end, but then uh, Saber escapes and goes right back to the arm, hits the uh, European clutch for a two count. Uh, Sonata gets the gets out of the clutch right back into a skull end, but Saber rolls back into another European clutch for two. Uh, Sonata hits a big European uppercut, uh, but Saber counters again, counters the uh, TKO into a triangle. That was a cool spot. Yeah. Uh, he eventually ended up hitting the TKO, got a near fall. He went for a tiger suplex, got another near fall, and then... Uh, at that point, Zach countered a moonsault into a triangle again. That's when, when, when he got that triangle, he, it was so tight. That's when I said to you, I was like, yo, it's about to be over. And you yeah. were like, yeah. He started hitting him with the elbows again. <laughs> yeah. Because Sonata was hitting him with the offense, but it was looking like he was getting tired. You could tell like he was dragging. Yeah. And then uh, at that point, Zach went into an arm bar. And then uh, he started moving into like this really crazy like bow and arrow type of move. And he just tied him up very similar to like the way he tied up uh, Naito on night one. And then Sonata just like he shook his head, and I was like, "Oh, he tapped out again!" <laughs> and that was it. Zack Saber Jr. beat Sonata uh, at 26 minutes. Now, I thought this was a little long. Um, it was a good match. It was not as good as the pre- either. Yeah, the previous matches. Yeah. Yeah, his last two <clears throat> matches were both better than this, but um, overall, very good match. It was like three and three quarters. I mean, so you really 
can't come three and a half, three and three quarters, something like that. So, I mean, you really can't complain. And, um, Zach's just so good, man. <laughs> he, I don't know what, what else there is to say. Like, I went from like not even caring that he was going to be in this tournament to like, I don't know if he's winning or not. Like, I have Tanahashi picked, but I kind of like they're putting over Zack Sabre Jr. so strong that it's either to get Tanahashi over or it's to get Okada over, one or the other. Did anybody have Tana Sabre as their finals? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess if you want to do that, we could do that right now. So, I mean, we um, obviously, if you're listening, many of you, we are running the uh, New Japan Cup bracket tournament uh, or award. We're giving out a free T-shirt to whoever has the most accurate uh, bracket. And I did. we're at the point now where we're at the finals, so we already know what the finals are going to be. And I thought we would have to wait to see who won the finals to get a, a, a winner. But in this case, we're not going to have to. <laughs> we have a winner already. Um, and the reason for this is because Zack Sabre Jr. busted everyone's brackets. Yeah. So there are several people that had um, Tanahashi going to the finals. Um about 25% of the brackets have Tanahashi going to the finals, but nobody had Zack Sabre. Nobody has Zack Sabre Jr. winning the tournament. Right. Like, not a single bracket. We had several brackets that have Zack Sabre Jr. going to the finals, but none of them um, have him winning, and none of them have him up against Tanahashi. And the more I liked it. That's why I asked if anybody had Tana and Sabre. Except for one person. Well, uh, one person. Except for one person. And that winner. Is actually I don't know if it's Taylor Howard or Howard Taylor because it says Taylor dot Howard DJ. I think it's Howard Taylor. So Howard Taylor, uh, you are the winner. You have won. Um, so let's look at his bracket here. So he had Yoshihashi going over Abushi. Oh, I'm sorry, he had. <laughs> sorry, Howard. <laughs> he had Abushi going over uh, Yoshihashi round one. He had Saber Junior going into round two. He did pick Davy Boy. To meet Yano, which when I saw that, I was like, this guy knows nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But I, I was I thought it was questionable, but I could see that. He had Sonata winning. He did have Ishii beating Elgin, which was a big bracket buster for most people. But then he had Juice, Tanahashi, and Fale. So he had six of the first two correct. What really set him apart, because it, there was people that had way more accurate round ones. But in round two, he had three round winners picked Accurately, He had Sabre going over Ibushi, Sonata going over. So even though he thought Davy Boy is going into the next round, he still had Sonata. Yeah. He had Ishii going over Juice, which who wouldn't? <laughs> and then he had Tanahashi going over Fale. So his last two matches ended up being the actual last two matches. He had Sabre Jr. against Sonata and Ishii. Ishii oh, no, I'm sorry. He, he did pick wrong about Ishii, but he had Tanahashi going over Ishii and Sabre Jr. going over Sonata, and he's the only person that ended up with the final of Tanahashi against Sabre. Now, at this point, if Tanahashi wins, he'll finish with 22 points in the scoring system that I used. But even if Tanahashi loses to Zack Sabre Jr., he still has more points than the next closest person, which is Royland Miyamoto. Miyamoto. Yeah. He's beating Royland by about three points, so... That's about one pick, basically. Yeah. And uh, Royland actually had every single match from the first round accurate. What busted his brackets was that he had Elgin going over Juice, 
So Juice obviously beat Elgin, and then he had Ibushi going all the way to the finals. And because of that, he ended up with – he has Tanahashi winning as well, but without Zack Sabre Jr. Junior, there, it kind of yeah, no killed his bracket. I am proud to say that yours truly <laughs> did come in third place in this tournament out of every single bracket that we uh, you got beat, You beat me out. Yeah, and um, I, I ended up with the Tanahashi Ibushi final as well. Um, both of these guys beat me. So, I mean, uh, Royland Miyamoto, good job. You came in number two. Shout out on the show. <laughs> We're not getting you a free shirt, but we might in the future. But we, we do appreciate you playing. But yeah. we will be buying a shirt for Howard Taylor. So. Yeah, so Howard, I'll be uh, contacting you through email to figure out uh, what T-shirt you would like and where I can send that to you. This is, it's really crazy though. I mean, I don't, there was like very, very, very few people that had Zack Sabre Jr. Many people had him beating Naito. Almost nobody had him beating Abushi. Yeah. And so that's like crazy. Like, Zack Sabre Jr. against Tanahashi in the finals. Like, that's crazy. And what's even crazier, I don't know who's going to win. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, at, the, at the pace that Sabre is going, like, I would not be surprised if he taps out Tana. And plus, if you look back at it, like a lot of these guys he's beaten, like he lost to before. And so with Tana, he beat Tana in the G1. Then Tana beat him at what, that King of Pro Wrestling? No. no um, was it Power Struggle? Power Struggle. I think no. so. Maybe. I think it was Power Struggle. Okay. So he Tana beat him back. So now they're even. So this was it destruction? I I forget, but I can't remember. It was IC title defense, and Tana beat him. Um, I'll look it up. So what's cage match for after all? <laughs> so they're tied up here. So Saber could get a win back here, and yeah, this would be the this is the rubber match between them. It was destruction in Hiroshima. Yeah, it was. I was right. Destruction. Yes. <laughs> so they've had. Two good matches. Um, their first match at the G1, I think, was better than the Destruction match. That that Destruction match, I think, was like the worst New Japan show of the year last year, actually. The whole show? The whole show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah surprisingly, that was not a very good show. But um, this is going to be the rubber match. And, I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. is going into the match with all the momentum in the world. So this is what I was going to say. Someone pointed this out on Reddit, and I thought it was very, very interesting. They said if he beats Tanahashi... He's going to have beaten four aces in a row, if you really think about it, because Naito has been referred to as the dark ace. He's seen as like the dark, you know, like the, right. the secondary guy, kind of like that Nakamura role. He beat Ibushi, who's the former DDT ace. He beat Sonata, who's the former Wrestle One ace. And then obviously he's going up against the ace of the universe, Tanahashi. <laughs> um, so these are all guys that at one point or another have carried companies, and that means a lot in Japan, you know. And that that puts him in a different level altogether as far as like believability and like um, just being authentic going against Okada. Uh, a month ago, if you told me Zack Sabre Jr. against Okada, I wouldn't even cared about that match or even thought it was anything. This is why the booking in New Japan is so good. Like, Gato is so freaking <laughs> good, bro. I'm, I'm just like, I'm blown by this. Yeah, man. I'm blown by this guy's run. Like, this is a guy we didn't even want to see, like, a year ago. Like, we, like, I've seen him wrestle in person, and I'm, 
I saw him wrestle Pentagon and I like wasn't that impressed and I know how good he is but yeah. he's like blowing me away yeah I've, I have not seen him in person yet um, like I mentioned like before the CWC all I saw were clips and you know seeing Dave's reviews and stuff and then wasn't impressed in the CWC but uh, I've definitely turned the corner on uh, ZSJ and I'm becoming a, becoming a fan of his work now you gonna get a shirt? <laughs> you can get a shirt, Jeremy. I, I don't know if we're at that level yet. Um, I don't know. We might be I might be rocking more social suplex shirts now that we're starting to uh, get those made. Um, you know, we uh, have the knockoff uh, uh, suplex brand social suplex shirts right now. Yeah, those shirts are hard. So. We went out um, to NXT the other night, or just last night. Just last, yeah. Yeah. And uh, guys, <laughs> this show was awesome. <laughs> okay, I know it. I know it's keeping a strong style, but like, you guys might think that this is a point of uh, interest. We got to see in the same night. We got to see both War Machine and Ricochet. Hey, former uh, New Japan guys, so this fits in. For and Adam Cole, we saw a main Kyle O'Reilly. We saw Kyle O'Reilly, yes. Oh, you guys would have been so proud of me. For $10.40. No, let me put myself over. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So we're in this this smarky NXT, like, Largo crowd, which it's a great crowd. And actually, guys, so the word was out that, you know, that all these, like, top – so Largo's near where we live. We live in, like, Tampa. NXT when they come to Tampa it's always like the better shows but then there's smaller cities like Largo's one of them and they typically have like not the top guys from NXT you know they have the guys that come in that aren't even on TV a lot of times so we go to those shows from time to time it's fun but on this particular night there was rumblings that like all the top a lot of the top guys were going to be there so we try to get tickets in the morning and it was sold out luckily I got to connect like at the 11th hour and we ended up with some tickets. So we ended up going to the show and everybody was there. Like everybody it was so awesome. But um, so Kyra Riley, who did he wrestle? He wrestled uh, Eric Young, Eric Young of, of TNA fame. And, you know, T- like Eric Young's the face. And I'm just the, I'm the biggest cow. Like, <laughs> so like every single time, like and this is like a very traditional like crowd. So like they go for the faces and then they they boo the heels, which I'm all about that unless it's Kyle Riley. And so like it was like dead silence and like Kyle would do something and cheat and people would boo and I'd be like that's right Kyle use your mind <laughs> like like that's okay and like he'd take a power I'm like that's alright Kyle make him wrestle your match Kyle <laughs> and there was like a little kid sitting in front of us that I was like looking back every time like <laughs> yeah he was getting mad at me because I, I was I was on Kyle Riley's side right you were cheering the bad guy yeah, I wasn't even cheering him I was coaching him yeah I felt like I was giving ghetto, him you were a ghetto for him yeah <laughs> and like the crowd was like quiet enough to where like everyone could hear me doing it was so funny and I'm not usually one to like put myself over like that in a crowd but I just like it's Kyle O'Reilly guys like yeah. he's freaking awesome he comes out there and he plays, plays like the guitar, plays on, the the guitar title. on the title like yeah. it's so funny but um yeah it was a really good show we got guys we marked so hard when we saw Ricochet well first it was War Machine oh uh, it was there was TM61 versus um 
No Way Jose and Trent Seven. Yeah. In which uh, Trent Seven spotted out our social suplex shirts. Yeah, yeah, he pointed us out because he like he saw the suplex and he was like, yeah, <laughs> uh, which was really funny. Yeah. And then um, um and then so they lost to TM Six One. And then War Machine came out. And uh, we knew we knew who it was. Like the lights went out and the the red lights came on, and we started marking, and like no one else knew who it was. We we're like War Machine, <laughs> War Machine, <laughs> and then they and, like, came they came out and like wrecked those dudes and uh, rode the the awesome the knee thing that we like. Yeah, oh. hit with the V trigger. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we popped so hard and like the crowd only kind of popped, and I was like, you no idea, <laughs> you don't know yet, you don't know yet, you don't know yet. <laughs> I was like better than the Bucks. Better than the Bucks. <laughs> and then, of course, Rich is like, better than the Road Warriors. <laughs> so that was cool, you know. And, I mean, and then uh, the main event was Ricochet versus Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, so Adam Cole came out, and they didn't announce who the main event was going to be. We didn't know who it was, and then they the it took a long time. It was quiet, and then this weird generic music we never heard before. It, I think it wasn't even like, I don't even think that's going to be his music. I yeah. think it's just some random generic music. And then I, we stood up, and I was like, is it Ricochet? Is it Ricochet? <laughs> Is it Ricochet? <laughs> and like no one else. And then he, like Ricochet came out. We're like, oh! we like lose our minds, dude. We're did, like jumping up and down. Do you Mark- know that I elbowed that lady in the head? Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I elbowed the lady sitting in front of us. I elbowed her in the head on accident. And she was just sitting there. Like she was just some mom who like wasn't into the show at all. She was just there because they were a kid. And then I like got in her ear. I was like, ma'am, I am so sorry. <laughs> Oh man, I missed it. But then I kept I, marking, and then I was like, "Yeah!" <laughs> I was marking so hard, I couldn't. I wasn't paying attention to anything else around me. I was jumping up and down, and it was screaming. a really good match. I mean, we're not gonna like talk your guys' ear off all night about NXT, but just the fact of getting to see these guys that I've seen in Corkin and at Wrestle Kingdom, and for years and years on the Indies and in Japan, I for ten bucks I got to go see them in Largo, Florida, like for free, like or not for free, but, but like almost, almost, like it was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was awesome. great. And it was a really good show. So, yeah, I was, I thought that. But, the, yeah, uh, Ricochet came out and he saw our social suplex shirts. Yeah, him too, yeah. And he pointed at us. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, is Ricochet pointing at us? <laughs> if you guys don't know what we're talking about, if you go to uh, follow us on Twitter at social suplex, there's a picture of me, young boy, and Rich Lada from One Nation Radio wearing the social suplex shirts. And you'll... You'll see why these guys were pouring them out. It was cool. <laughs> it was really cool. Like, I felt, like, important. Like, I was an actual, like, something. Yeah. We're over. <laughs> Which we're not, but <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. All right. I well, felt like I was in this business. <laughs> we are in this business. <laughs> was there anything else on New Japan Cup before we move on to news? Uh, oh, who do you think What's well, your prediction? Final predictions? What is your prediction? Oh. <sighs> Man. So, so here's something that I thought was interesting. So I was reading someone's comments and they were saying, you know, it's just it's such a great setup for this match. The story behind it, because you have Tanahashi, who is trying to come back from his injury, going up against a guy who, when he was injured in the past, exploited it and also is working the whole gimmick of just tap out. Yeah. And what happened to Tanahashi just a month ago, like, he was in a match where he should have tapped out. just tapped out, and he didn't, and it sidelined him. And he's from the same exact, he's from the same exact uh, faction, 
You know, yeah, he's he's the number two guy. I mean, unless you count Taichi as being the number two guy, like Zack Saber is like the next guy in line, and so it sets up what could hypothetically be a redemption story for Tanahashi, like him overcoming the odds, coming back, and going up against this monster who's tapping everybody out. At this point, does Zack Saber Jr. need to win the tournament? Like, I think in a way he kind of does, but if he doesn't. It doesn't detract from the fact that he beat Sonata, Ibushi, and Naito. Mm-hmm. And will probably, if he loses, fall to Tanahashi in a match that he'll probably end up dominating anyways. And then Tanahashi will probably skate by in a way to where both guys look good is one way. That's one way it could go. And it tells an amazing story where, like, Tanahashi has to overcome another submission artist to get his one last shot at glory. Or you've got Zack Sabre Jr. who's tapping everybody out going against a guy who, like, that's his weakness right now. Like, think about who Tanahashi has wrestled so far. He's wrestled a cheater. He's wrrestled a big muscular guy. He's wrestled a young, hot, like, baby face. But he hasn't wrestled a true technician with, like, submission skills. So it's, like, the last archetype that he needs to overcome before he can get his, like, his shot at, at the glory again. And if he, if he can't win that then he's not ready for that title shot, you know, and it, and it elevates Zach to a level where like he beat four aces in a row and it makes him so believable. And like we talked about, can they sell out? I mean, Sumo Hall's probably going to sell out either way, but I mean, with the performances he's put in and the guys he's beat, I mean, I think I believe with the Japanese crowd, it, it would really put him over. So, I mean, you've got two really compelling stories there. Yeah, good argument for both guys. Man, this is tough. Um, I think I'm I'm going to go all in on the submission master, ZSJ, Zack Sabre Jr. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, man, that sucks, because I was going to do the same thing. <laughs> um... I mean, we both had him so. I'm so I was torn, but I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go all in on Saber. I'm gonna go with Tanahashi, but I think I think Zach. Okay, I want. I'll just say this: I want Tanahashi to win. I picked him for my bracket, so I'm gonna stick by my bracket. But I kind of think he's gonna lose. Like, I, but I don't like to bet against the ace. I know. This is why it's tough, man. The last, the last time I did that, I bet against. Well, no, the last time I bet against him, he lost, and I was right. But the time before that, when I was conflicted with with Jay Jay White, White, yeah, I shouldn't have bet against him, and that that bit me in the butt. Um, I could see it go either way. Like that's that is what makes this an excellent main event. Like an excellent, excellent main event because we don't know who's going to win, and it's been a while. I mean, not a while, but like. It's it's few and far between. It's pretty rare when you get those types of matches where you just it's fifty fifty. Go either way, yeah. And the way they built up this tournament, it's been a fantastic tournament. So, um, yeah, let's just say that. Let's let's say you you take Zack Saber Jr. and then I'll be right and I'll take <laughs> I'll take right. let's, let's do that. No, I don't want to because Zack Saber's gonna win. I'm I'm choosing Zack Saber Jr. <laughs> to win the whole thing. 
And if we look like idiots together, we look like idiots. Yes, I don't care. Yeah. Next week, we can come on this show and talk about either how right we were or how wrong we were. I mean, we. I think we're pretty adamant right now. We don't know who's going to win. Yeah. And it's that tough. I mean, it's literally not even like a prediction. It's like a guess pretty much at this point. That is exactly what it is. We're just guessing right now. Like, some very highly like, educated I'm, I'm not even 100% like, confident in this guess, but... I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Sabre. They've been building Zack Sabre Jr. up in such a scary, dominant way that... Uh... No. You know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to be a flip-flopper, but you... <laughs> I think they've done enough for this guy. They built him up enough. It's fine. The New Japan Cup is fine. fine. <laughs> I'm going with Tanahashi because I, I still think it's the marketable match but, that they need to... But think about this, though. Okada needs a challenge. He needs something new, a new challenge. What better new challenge than this submission monster that has destroyed all these aces? And it's like a believable, like it is. But Tanahashi can he tap Okada out? Here's the thing, though. Tanahashi's coming back to try to stop that eleventh title defense. Yeah. Not only that, but they got to It's it's Sumo Hall, and they, they haven't done Tanahashi and Okada in a long time, and it's gonna be a fantastic match. And they, I think they, I I feel like you could be right, but they built up Zack Saber Jr. to have this really strong run in this tournament, so that Tanahashi could overcome that last doubtful test of can he beat like a submission guy. So that he can earn his last... This will be like his last big title run, I think. Well, I could be wrong. It's yeah. Tanahashi, but for for now. For now. It's going to be a while. If, if he doesn't win this, it'll be a while before he gets a title shot. And I think he's winning. I think he's going to go to Square Genesis. Man, I'm, I'm literally stressing out about thinking about who's going to win this match. Well, it's going to be Wednesday. <laughs> it's going to be Wednesday, Jeremy. So yeah. we, will be, we will be watching it. We will see it live the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and it's gonna we'll we'll see what only time will tell. Yeah. Hey, who do you guys think? Now that we're at the finals, you guys hit us up, tweet us at KI Strong Style. Thank you, or, Jeremy. <laughs> or at social suplex. Let us know who you guys think are, are gonna win and uh yeah, because I wanna see what the general consensus is here. I don't I don't know what people think. Yeah. I he, I have a feeling a lot of people out there are going to pick Zack Saber Jr. Yeah, based on how things are going, we we need to send some polls out there and get some some feedback. Yeah, we'll do that. Or maybe I'll put a poll up on our Twitter at ki strong style. See what people are. You feeling. can do that on Twitter. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, like we said, Josh is not on Twitter. I don't know what you can do on that thing. It's pretty cool. He's on the Twitter machine. <laughs> All right, let's uh, dive into news. We kind of have a light news week. We got through all the shows. Yeah, man, that's a that's impressive. We're not gonna have a three hour episode <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah, we. Need but hey, but hey, but I want to give a shout out to you guys because the last three or four weeks in a row, we've the, the episodes have like broken the Wrestle Kingdom. Um, episode we did. Yeah, they've all been, they've all had more listens and downloads than that one did. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. You guys are like downloading and spreading the word, and we greatly appreciate Even with our three hour episode, y'all, even, y'all are still downloading and listening. Even with all the down voters on Reddit that are trying to hate on us, they're trying like, to bury us. Trying to bury us on Reddit. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, our show is pretty good. <laughs> 
like, I don't know, like every week it seems like all of a sudden I go on there and there's all these downvotes. And I'm like, what the freak? And then I, li- I look at like the numbers and like we, we did better numbers than we did the week before. And I'm like, yeah, it's, what it's, is a, it's a battle. Like well, I'll click on it and there's going to be a bunch of upvotes. Come back like 20 minutes later, bunch of downvotes, bunch of upvotes, downvotes. It's like a struggle. Yeah, they don't they don't want us invading the the, the territory. The territory, yeah. They're afraid of the you know the young lion <laughs> trying to move up the ranks and uh, challenge the ace. Oh, man. Even though we are the ace, we're uh, we're Killmonger. <laughs> oh, we're, we're we're Lenny Poffo, and the, we're the the outlaw territory. Oh, oh my god, man. we're the NWO. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so couple different things going on in the news this week so um i think we've kind of mentioned this individual on the show before and it's someone that we'd like to kind of reach out to down the road but uh chris charlton who is always putting out some of the best content on the internet when it comes to pro resu and new japan pro wrestling specifically as well um he he's an author he's written books in the past um i think his last one was it was the, the history, history of, new- of uh, new Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he has a new book that is coming out and I saw he did an interview about it uh, and I thought it was worth making mention. This book is called eggshells pro wrestling in the Tokyo dome. And um, this is a book that is going to encompass the entire complete history of professional wrestling in Japan's greatest arena, the Tokyo dome. Um, and he's looking through multiple historical sources, firsthand personal accounts, and telling the complete story of every single wrestling event in the building's three decades and the promotions and people that made the Big Egg a wrestling institution. And I mean, they're covering 559 different participants, 576 matches. 64 events, 10 promotions over 30 years. Yeah, so I mean, this is, um, (laughs) you know, you can actually find out more about this uh, project that he's working on at www.com eggshellsbook.com um, he has an Indiegogo website uh, related to this so if you want to support his project we actually don't even ask for money to do this show which is interesting but um, so far he's raised $9,131 for to uh, towards his goal which was 5000 so he's already hit the goal but uh, from what I understand the more you like support it the better things will be um, that's been raised by 216 different people and it's not just because people are throwing money at this guy just to throw money. It's because they know that he puts in great work. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, if you can go to his Indiegogo.com slash project slash eggshells hyphen pro hyphen wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. You can find that there. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a book that it's not out yet, but he's still working on it. And I think if you're a fan of New Japan or a fan of you know, per resu in general, right? It's something you want to definitely check out. You, you, we follow him. The the page does, right? Yeah, I was just looking to see what his Twitter. I believe it's Reason JP. It is. It's, yeah, at Reason JP says Twitter. Yeah, so he's always like breaking like really cool stuff and uh, you know putting out like different content. Like I said, so if you don't follow him, that's a resource you want to follow. Uh, what was his first book? Let me see. Uh, the Lion's Pride book. That is what it's called. I, I didn't. Well, I almost said a Lion's Tale, but I think that's the Jericho book. Yeah. So I didn't want to mess up on the air. Yeah, it's Lion's Pride: The Turbulent History of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Which I haven't read it, but from all accounts, I know Rich like swears by that book. He says like the New Japan Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, um, in the future, we are going to reach out to Mr. Charlton. We'd love to have him on the program to talk about both of his books. Yeah, 
absolutely. So uh, that's that's something that I just thought was like, hey, if you're if you enjoy reading and you're you know a New Japan fan, and you want to support something that's uh, progressing, you know this product that we love, or you know you enjoy the history behind it, you want to learn more. You probably want to read his books or support what he's doing and learn more because I'm sure the the next book's going to be really really good. Yeah. Um, in other news, um, Strong Style Evolved is literally a week away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're recording on Sunday, so next this Sunday. Is, this is snuck up on me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not that it has. I mean, it's like it's been promoted. We've but, known about it, but right? It's been promoted, but at the same time, like not over promoted because the New Japan Cup's been going on. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, we only well, there's three matches, but two of them are for sure happening because Mysterio. And, we don't even know if Ray is wrestling or not. Yeah. at this point. So, so all we know is um, Young Bucks versus Golden Lovers. Yeah. And uh, Jay White defending the U.S. title against Hangman Page. So if you are going to be uh, attending Strong Style Evolved, New Japan Pro Wrestling on March 16th came out with um, these. Important rules <laughs> that you need to follow if you're going to be attending Strong Style Evolved. Um, and they said, if you're lucky enough to have a ticket for New Japan's biggest American show yet, they can't wait to see you, but come through. Um, please check out the following regulations. If you fail to comply with these rules, it could result in you being ejected from the building. So be mindful, be aware, and enjoy. So they do not play in New Japan. Um, things that you cannot bring to the Walter Pyramid. Food, drinks, bicycles, skateboards, rollerblades, video cameras, flash photography, signs or banners, streamers. What? No streamers? No streamers. Animals, strollers, noisemakers, balloons, drugs, alcohol, weapons, and heaters. The Walter Pyramid is a non-smoking facility. So I thought that that was very interesting. That you no alcohol. I guess uh, Kanamaru can't bring in his bottle of Satori whiskey. I think he gets a pass on it. <laughs> I don't even know if he's going to be on the card, That's actually. true. That's true, yeah. But, um, yeah, you can't bring streamers, which, I mean, New Japan's not big on the streamers anymore anyways. But, uh, yeah, no, no, no signs, no cameras. No banners. No banners. A lot of people bring like the chaos and LIJ and Sukun banners. Also, um, they are gonna let people bring masks, but you cannot walk around the arena while wearing a mask. You can only wear your mask at your seat if you are walking around wearing a mask at the venue or on the campus. They're gonna ask you to take it off or they're gonna eject you. Dude. It's pretty pretty tight rules for you guys going out to Strong Style Evolve. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was something that I thought was, like, pretty interesting. Um, also, I see here there's a note on the New Japan website. This guy, Don Traubodin, says, Anybody needs tickets? I've got four in Section 108. Cannot make it out to the show. So... There's no replies to it yet, but uh, if you're looking for some tickets, I think there's still people on on the Reddit. There's still people on NewJapan.com that are still selling their tickets. So, uh, yeah, so, no, there was, like, there was like a mega mega thread a, in a the mega New thread. Japan Reddit. Yeah. Um, speaking of strong style evolved, so we know for a fact, we're, if you have New Japan World, you're not gonna be able to watch this show live. Right. You have to watch live on uh, Access TV, which luckily with my Sling uh, subscription, I get access. Arsling. <laughs> Arsling subscription. <laughs> oh, man. 
So, yeah, so um, to get ready for the live broadcast of Strong Style Evolved next week, Access TV is going to be continuing its Friday night series on March 16th and March 23rd. That being said, they're going to be running special episodes of the weekly New Japan Pro Wrestling show on Access TV. Um, and let's see here. What do we got on the docket? So it looks like it starts off uh, March 16th, March 16th, which is the Friday that just passed. And they did the uh, new beginning in Osaka with um, Goto and Evil for the Never title. Oh, God. And Osprey and Takahashi for the junior title. Well, at least there's that. <laughs> they get the match of the month and then they get the, the letdown match. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Hall of Famer Jim Ross calls the action with pro wrestler and MMA fighter Josh Barnett adding analysis. And then they're going to be doing a second hour the next week with um, Okada against Sonata. At, and then um, also they're running a special episode for Honor Rising featuring the Golden Lovers against uh, Cody and Marty Skrull of the Bullet Club, plus the Young Bucks and Hangman Page taking on Jay White and Chucky T and Yoshihashi. So you're getting special special matches from both Honor Rising as well as the main event for, um, what was that? That was New Beginning. In Osaka, yeah. Yeah. So check that out. You know, pretty cool. They're coming out with even extra episodes and that sort of thing. Um, and then... Following uh, the presentation of Strong Style Evolved on Friday, March 30th, they're also going to uh, be presenting two nights from the 46th anniversary. They'll be playing the Minoru Suzuki versus Togi Makabe match for the IC title and the three tag team uh, match for the IWGP Junior Tag Team title. Plus, and then uh, the following Friday, April 13th, they will be showing um, Okada and Osprey from the 46th anniversary and uh, Naito versus Taichi. Yeah, so I mean, this is a pretty stacked like schedule that they've got from this past Friday going into the Friday after next. So yeah. if you are not, you know, I don't know if you are able to get Access TV, if you don't have it, you know, check with your local, local provider yeah. and see if you can. Or uh, Sling. sign up for Sling TV. Yeah. Um, or just get New Japan World. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Access TV's upcoming schedule is pretty stacked. Um, also, talking about uh, Access TV, there was news that broke out this past week. So, we've talked about the numbers already, but um, Access TV's CEO um, came out, at Andrew Simon, and he talked to Cage Side Seats this week, and he said that the network's broadcast of Wrestle Kingdom 12 in January had a tremendous increase over the airing of last year's Wrestle Kingdom 11, and that specifically the match between Jericho and Omega was the highest rated New Japan offering in Access TV history. Wow. Big stuff. Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're a private company. They don't disclose their viewership numbers, he said, but he will say that the match was bigger than anything else they've ever run on their network, basically. So, I mean, that's that that again is just another testament to, you know, the success of that show, the success of that program. And, you know, that's something that's I don't know. I mean, I guess we should probably at this point talk about the news that broke out this this past week about New Japan and the possible card they might be doing this. Yeah. So um, I first heard it on um, Observer Radio with Meltzer and Alvarez 
they were talking about uh, what was the date July seventh that New Japan will possibly be coming back to the United States to run a show in the Cow Palace. Yeah, which um, is designed to hold up to uh, I believe like thirteen to fourteen thousand people. Yeah, about that. It's big. So I mean, we've seen they sell out the Walter Pyramid with hold what five thousand in minutes in like less than ten minutes. So could New Japan possibly sell out the Cow Palace? I don't know. I know APW um, ran a couple shows this past year with, I think, Cody Rhodes on top. I think one of them was Cody against uh, um, Joey Ryan. They yeah. did really well, like big numbers, like around the two, 3,000 mark. And they, with the merch sales and everything like that, they they those were profitable shows from what I understand. But uh, yeah, I mean, if they're running the Cow Palace, that is a legendary, you know, Location. I mean, it's essentially like for pro wrestling in in Southern California. It's seen as like their version of Madison Square Garden, right? Kind of like how the Omni was in Georgia. So I mean, it's a it's a legendary venue, and it was closed for a while. Now it's open again. Um, so the fact that New Japan might be going there is like crazy, right? And actually, one thing I want to point out: this is actually going to be the third time if they do it because we mentioned last week they're coming here to Florida for that CEO fighting championship game show yeah so I mean that would be their third like show official show in North America unless you want to count like I I don't think you can count Ring of Honor but I mean how much they're going to be like interwoven with what Supercard of Honor is and then also the all-in show they're they're presence here in America is expanding. Now, it's not official for sure that they're running the Cow Palace. Let's make that clear. Um, shout out again to Fernando Quills Jr. Uh, he is a writer for SES Scoops and Lowkick.com and MMA Fighting. He actually tweeted us this past weekend. He was the person that I saw break the news on this, and I shared it on the uh, New Japan Reddit, and he kind of got a kick out of that. <laughs> but, um, you know, the news here says basically that they're, they're, they have a preliminary date saved or a preliminary hold on the Cow Palace, but that they are also considering possibly running a different building maybe either in California or in Las Vegas, which I don't know much about that sort of thing. But one thing that is very interesting is um, that's the same night as Internet as a International, International Fight, Fight Week for the, for the UFC. And they're going to be running UFC 226 in Las Vegas. Um, and they're going to be running that match with uh, it's the light heavyweight champion against the heavyweight champion. It's uh, oh my god, how am I forgetting their names? I don't know you're the MMA guy. I know I am. I dude, I do this all the time where I just like I, I have a great memory and then I'll just forget people's names. It's um, the guy that John Jones just beat, and he's the light heavyweight champion, and he had the, all the heat with the Young Bucks. Oh. Um. Miss Miocic? No, Miocic is the heavyweight champion, and he's fighting um, Dan Cormier. Oh, yeah. my God. What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, so Cormier is the light heavyweight champion. He's going up to heavyweight to cha- challenge uh, Miocic, which is probably going to do pretty decent numbers. Um, so that's pretty bold of New Japan to – either they're not doing market research or they are pretty confident that they're going to be able to run against the UFC. I, mean, uh, part, I think it's not market research. I think they really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talk about a lot of times that they run like their shows on the WWE weekends and they're like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, um, 
what are your thoughts? I mean, like this show, if it happens, I mean, this this could hypothetically be bigger than the All In show if they run the Cow Palace. Yeah, and something else that we forgot to mention, um, the rumored match for this show would be Jericho and Naito. That's what, yeah, so we've talked about it. Obviously, last week we, we talked about the tweet with Jericho, and he said that unfortunately he was done with New Japan, and then, you know, this past week, basically, um, Dave Meltzer said he's he doesn't know for sure, but he said that he thinks that everyone's getting worked and that July 7th is a date that's open for Y2J and that they sit, instead of doing the match at the Walter Pyramid, they're holding it off for a much bigger venue. And I mean, come on, it's Jericho. This is a guy who wants to make history. He wants to make as much money as possible and make as much of an impact as he possibly can. What, what bigger way to do it than to do a show that would like be as big as a WWE show, but no other company's done it in... 18 years yeah 19 years so almost two decades crazy That's crazy so i mean i'm hoping i'm like once i heard that and i heard the reports that they might be doing jericho and naito there that made more sense to me and i was like please gato please. <laughs> like i prayed to gato i'm like please gato <laughs> i want to do that <laughs> yeah they're like gato instead of doing it at walter pyramid we're gonna do it at the cow palace like, for real yeah he's like for real <laughs> And they're like, yeah, yeah, we got July 7th. It's, it's open. He's like, okay, I want, I want to, to do, do that. that. <laughs> so hopefully that is what happens. Um, very, very, very big news. Very, very big news. So I am excited about that. Um, I don't know, Jeremy, did you hear this past week about um, Vader? Yeah, I've been, I saw briefly. He was having some heart, heart issues, right? He's having heart surgery. Yeah. So, um, like, he was in a match, like, last year where he collapsed after he took some sort of, like, back body bump. Um, and he was – actually, it's like, two years ago, and they uh, diagnosed him with congestive heart failure. Said he only had, like, two more years to live, basically. So, we hadn't been hearing a lot from him. Every now and again, you'll see him, like, do some crazy stuff on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he hit a whole program with Osprey. Yeah, obviously that happened, but then he kind of, he's gotten into it a few times with different wrestlers. I know him and DDP, him and DDP had an issue because DDP wanted to help him, and then he wouldn't uh, stop wrestling, essentially, and it was yeah. this big hoop, you know, to do. But um, out of nowhere, this was on the 12th so March 12th he put a tweet out said going in the hospital in the AM for heart surgery wish me luck and my doctor a good night's rest and we haven't heard anything since then yeah and uh, you know Vader one of the most popular gaijins wrestle in Japan oh well he to me and I, I mean some people might disagree but I think he's the most like notorious and successful monster gaijin in New Japan history I mean, the only other guy I can think of in modern times, and we're not going back to, like, JPW, but, like, from the All Japan, New Japan era, it's, like, him and Stan Hansen, essentially. Maybe, and, t obviously, the Funks. Like, right. But when you're talking about Monster Gaijin, you know, that archetype, it's Stan Hansen in All Japan and, and Vader in New Japan, and that's about it, pretty much. Like, that's why we called our award this past year the Big Van Vader Gaijin, Gaijin of the Year, year Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's legendary in New Japan, and um, he's one of my all-time favorite performers. And, uh, I don't know, the idea of him not being around is a sad idea. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I hope... We haven't heard anything. I've tried scouring the internet. I haven't found anything, like, whatsoever. I don't know if you've seen anything about I it. haven't seen anything. So, all I'm going to do is just pray for uh, Vader and hope there's still some more Vader time. 
yeah uh i mean we'll keep you guys on the like updated there's there literally hasn't been anything that's the good news is there's been no bad news there's been no news where it's been like oh you know um you know unfortunately like vader's past or anything so i'm going to assume at this point that everything is good yeah um and our thoughts and a lot of times uh no news is good news yeah yeah that's a great way to put it so then um going on we talked uh, the other week about um austin aries making a surprise appearance at the ring of honor 16th anniversary mm-hmm. um But there have been some other, like, rumblings on Twitter. Now, keep in mind, folks, that these are just rumors and they're not necessarily going to be, um, you know, anything, like, that's substantiated just yet. But I don't know. Have you heard about the stuff with him and Impact? Yeah. I mean, you kind of brought it up to me that um, potential rumors of Impact kind of running out of money. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason, a lot of people thought like maybe Impact and Ring of Honor were working together at first, but really it seems like Impact might be running low on money. They don't have money to sign him to the deal he wants. Yeah, so I was reading an article from Larry Kazanka, who is actually one of the better uh, like reviewers on 411 Mania. If you guys haven't caught his stuff check him out he's pretty good i i usually like him and a lot of the things that he um predicts or not even predicts but reports tend to hold be accurate they tend to be accurate yeah and he said that the dark rumblings basically right now are that there was a certain amount of money that was earmarked for uh impact when the acquisition from anthem took place and that money is starting to run out and they haven't seen the kind of um returns that they want and so because the money is like running out, they're not re-signing guys to the same like deals that they were. And so right now they've got um, Aries as their champion. He's not even signed to it. And he's not signed to a deal. They've got other top guys that they just recently lost like EC3, Lashley. Yeah. Uh, and then Alberto Del Rio uh, was reportedly negotiating with WWE again. And apparently it's because the word has gotten out that like they don't have the funds to sign guys to high dollar deals right now. And uh, with that being said, the word's getting out and there are certain there are several talents that, that they haven't been named, but Ring of Honor apparently has two, their eye on two or three specific individuals that they're trying to bring in to like uh, round out their roster. WWE's got the same same thought because they both think that they can get these guys uh, for cheaper deals because they can do above and beyond what TNA is willing to do right now or impact. Um, I say this because it's interesting because Aries, essentially, if that is the case, he's a smart guy and he's kind of like hedging his bets against not getting re-signed by or not getting signed at all by Impact. Yeah. And so we may actually, this might not just be a cameo appearance. We might be seeing him back in the like ring of honor full time. Yep. Yep. And if that's the case, then I'm assuming that would lead to something with New Japan. Um, and who knows how this plays out as far as like you know, the relationship between Don Callis and everything of that nature, you know what I'm saying? Right. So that's that's something there to keep your eyes out, you know, and your ears peeled. If you guys hear anything, let us know. Um, did you catch the Flip Gordon uh, interview this past week? I saw the highlights of it. I forgot which site it was, but I saw the highlights. And um, uh, the one thing that, that's standing out to me right now is, you know, he has, he has this whole thing on Twitter where he talks about, you know, being a flat earther. And the interviewer asked him about it, and he was pretty much like, you know, Flip Gordon, the character, is a flat earther, but I forget what his real name is. Uh, is it Travis something? 
Yeah, uh, he said, Tra- well, his name is Travis, and he was like, Travis is not a flat earther. Yeah. So he just likes trolling people on Twitter. It's just part of his gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, yes, I mean, that's kind of funny. He did also talk about uh, basically, like, his debut in New Japan this year. Yeah. And also the the possibility of him going to... Um, CMLO. Yeah. And, like, his aspirations to do more work internationally and in those two different companies. So that's something if you're a fan of his, you might want to check out. Um, one other thing was Don Callis. Um, did you see that tweet about the Golden Bookers? Yeah, you actually yeah, you showed it to me earlier today. Um, it's something like the Golden Bookers. Yeah. Um, big announcement coming soon or something like that. Yeah, so I don't know what that was. But, yeah, he posted something essentially saying, like, the Golden Bookers. <laughs> and then he posted another... Uh, he posted another thing like right after that saying something along the lines of um, like big announcement coming soon and then there was like this chalkboard with a bunch of like math problems on it so I don't know if that's something that's related Uh, there's been a lot of like people kind of hypothesizing what he's talking about but I don't know if that's related in any way to Kenny Omega Uh, right I mean it could be I don't know. No, their their relationship's really good. There. The Golden Bookers. I don't know. It's just a very enigmatic statement to make. Uh, that might not be news of any sort. We might be looking back a week or two from now and be like, "All right, that was a waste of airspace." <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he. Maybe there's something going on with Kenny and booking that, uh, and some sort of like weird announcement that we don't know about yet. So. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> and then um, the last thing that I really have to talk about here is. Um, the Wrestling Observer uh, Radio Year End Awards. Yeah, so uh, Dave finally put out the year end or the award issue this past week, and New Japan cleaned up in a lot of awards. Um, so there's the Luthez Ric Flair Wrestler of the Year Award. Um, Okada won that award, and he blew it out of the water. Uh, if you subscribe to the Observer, you can see how all the, the votes and the points. But um, yeah, Okada like blew it out of the water at first place. Um, then Kenny Omega came in second, and Tetsuya Naito came in third. And then also from New Japan, you had Tanahashi at eight and Ishii at nine. Yeah, so I mean, um, this was very interesting because I mean, I, I just want to say this: we're not working from the same poll as he is or anything, but. We had our year-end awards this past year, and when I look at not only who the winners of similar categories, but also the order of the um, the runner-ups, it was like literally verbatim what we for had. For our year-end awards, yeah. So, I mean, for Wrestler of the Year, we had Okada. Their runner-up was Omega. We had Omega. The runner-up after that was Naito. We had that. And then if you skip Styles, Miyahara, and Roosh, and Lesnar, you go straight down we to had Tana, Tanahashi and Ishii. Yeah. And Ishii. So it's literally in order the exact same guys from New Japan that we had. Right. Um, then he had a most outstanding wrestler, Okada, one that also blew away again in first place. And then Omega was second. Uh, Naito came in fourth. Ishii fifth. Kushida six. Sabre seven. Osprey eight. Eight, Bushi nine. So I mean, you're looking at like eight guys on a list of the top ten wrestlers in the world, and the other two guys are AJ Styles and Io Shirai from Stardom, who's a woman who's like she's the, <laughs> she's the best Joshi wrestler in the world. So I mean, this just tells you like how outstanding the wrestling is in New Japan when you've got ten people named and eight of them are from the same company. Right. Um, and then you move to tag team of the year. Young Bucks blew it out first place. 
Uh, War Machine came in third. Um, and that was everybody from New Japan. No, Sho and Yo came in tenth. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So this list I'm looking at only has five. But with that being said, the Young Bucks, um, I don't disagree with them being the re- the tag team of the year. I just didn't think they should have won our awards because I didn't think that their New Japan work outweighed War Machine's New Japan work. Right. But but this the Observer is covering everything. The yeah. Observer is covering everything, and our fan base probably was too. So, I mean, they had the Bucks. We had the Bucks. War Machine was our runner-ups. It was they were the runner up for them too from New Japan. So, um, promotion of the year. Oh, before that, uh, there was best interview. Well, no uh, one from New Japan. Nobody. Uh, well, Kenny, I guess Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was, came in fourth. That's Ni- surprising, actually. Yeah, Naito came in seventh. So there's two New Japan guys there. <laughs> I mean, for a company that doesn't even do interviews like yeah. like that, that or promos, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, so then, yeah, promotion of the year. Promotion of the year, uh, by far, with 5,871 votes, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then the runner-up with 1,297 votes is Ring of Honor. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, those are, like, the two main companies that we're covering. And, I mean, like, the Observer Awards, like, they blew everything else away. WWE was three, UFC was four, and CMLL was five. Um, best weekly TV show. Was uh, New Japan. On Access. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And then... When you go down the list, you got NXT, then you got CMLL, Friday Night Arena Mexico shows. Being the elite. Being the elite at number four and Ring of Honor at five. So, I mean, those top five are like four different programs that we like cover because of this alliance. This is just showing you how how like hot the New Japan product is as well as the partnerships that they have going right now and the quality of wrestling around the world internationally. Right. And then there was the Pro Wrestling Match of the Year coming in first place, blowing it out. Um, Okada versus Omega from the Tokyo Dome. Number two, you had Okada and Omega from Osaka. Match three, you had Okada versus Shibata. Four, it was Naito versus Omega. Uh, five was Okada versus Omega uh, from G1, um, and then you go. And then you go into to then you match start seven. Uh, Kushida versus Osprey from June. Oh, that that's the uh, that's the best of the Super Juniors finals. Yeah, that's like five stars. Yeah, that's it. That's so every everything else is from other companies. But what's interesting about that? We had Okada Omega from Wrestle Kingdom as our match of the year. Okada Omega from Dominion was the runner-up. Okada Shibata was the runner-up from was third place, and then Naito Omega was our fourth place. So it's lit, and then it's the same. It's literally the same, which is so crazy. Um, feud of the year, Omega and Okada. Yeah, which was also our feud of the year. They had Tanahashi Naito in third place and Kushida Takahashi in fourth place. Place, <laughs> which was uh. That's the same order that we had, man. Like, it's so crazy. Like, it's kind of like it's spooky a little bit because I'm sure we're we're not working from thousands of votes like they were. But just like the sample pull that we had. Yeah. The fact that it ended up the exact same way. Like, it it does tell you something there. And then one thing I don't think it's on your list was there's a there's a best box office draw. uh, Kenny Omega came in second. Naito came in third. Okada, Okada came in fifth. That's crazy. Um, so then, yeah, we talked about feud of the year. Then there was most improved. Juice Robinson coming in second. Cody fourth. Hangman Page six. Soberano Jr. seven. Uh, Kawato number nine. Ten. Beretta. Who was their most improved? 
uh, Braun Strowman. And then Juice? And then Juice. I think yeah. Juice is our most improved, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, most charismatic, Tetsuya Naito. Um, best technical wrestler. We didn't do that, but it was Zack Sabre Jr. And then Kushida. Uh, Marty Skrull was number four. Hideki Suzuki, number three, which is nice. Um, best Brawler Award, which they call the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award. Uh, t- Tomohiro Ishii won that. Yeah. With Shibata being Suzuki the... Suzuki at third. Yep. We actually, we do the Strong Style Award, the the uh, Carl Gotch Strong Style Award, which is a very similar idea. And we had Shibata win that, but it was literally by a couple votes over Tomohiro Ishii. So, I mean, very, very, very close there. And I actually voted Ishii myself, so I feel like this validates me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> then you had Best uh, Flying Wrestler. Will Ospreay blew it out of the water, coming in first place. Ricochet coming in second place. Uh, Voldor Jr. with third. Takahashi fourth. And Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix fifth. And then also on the list, you had Sobrano Jr. at six. Dragon Lee at seven. Ibushi at eight. Uh, Darby Allen nine. Then Kushida at ten. Who? So we do the junior of the year. Who was our junior of the year, wasn't it? Takahashi? Yes. Yeah. Um... And then, you know what? As you continue with most of these awards, you start getting into the, like, negatives. Yeah. Like, the worst, yada, yada. And none of it's New Japan. <laughs> like, like none of it. Except for, like, um, Don Callis and Kevin Kelly were both in the top five for TV announcers, which was cool. Uh, there's most underrated. Ishii came in second. Oh, that's right. Right behind yeah. Rusev. Yeah. Wow. Um, Rookie of the year was Kitamura. Yeah, I think and, Oka was on there too. Yeah, Oka came in fourth. Umino uh, came in sixth. Leo Tonga seven. Uh, uh, for the top five wrestling shows of the year, Wrestle Kingdom eleven was number one. Dominion uh, was number two. G One Finals was number five. So I mean, like, they just they cleaned up, dude. Like the best wrestling moves: One Winged Angel, Rainmaker, Destino, V Trigger, like. This company is uh, just clean. They cleaned up everything this best year. Best major wrestling show, Wrestle Kingdom, came in first, followed by Dominion. I just said that. Oh, you did my bad. <laughs> uh, How about Promoter of the Year and Booker of the Year? Ghetto, for real. <laughs> Ghetto by far with a thousand twenty-five votes, and then the the runner-up Triple H with forty-eight votes. Holy crap! Um, Promoter of the Year to Kaki Kidani. With, I mean, he blew Dana like Dana White was number two, and he blew Dana White and Triple H out of the out of the water. Uh, Lij had the best gimmick, uh, and then uh, Hiromu, Daryl, and Carol was number two <laughs> for what best gimmick? Really? Yeah, Hiromu, Daryl, and Carol Takahashi number two. Uh, Marty Skrull came in fourth. The Elite fifth. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean. Um, yeah, they just, like, they killed the Observer Awards this year. So, I mean, yeah. we, we always wait for the Observer Awards to come out. There, there are other publications that do awards and things like that. But, I mean, this yeah, is Even the uh, Best Wrestling Book um, at number seven, the New Japan Year in Review by Voices of Wrestling. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they, they do great work over there, like, every year. So, I mean, that's... Um... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, best pro wrestling documentary number two, uh, the the Bruiser Brody documentary. Yeah, I've heard really really good things. What High Spots did that? I think so. Yeah, I need yeah. to check that out. I saw the thirty for thirty with Ric Flair, but so, um, I mean, just overall the Japanese flu- influence, and you just see, man, these guys they cleaned up the Observer Awards. I'm also seeing here on the New Japan Reddit. This is just breaking. They uh. 
there, uh, we mentioned him on the show already. Chris Charlton at Reason JP, who is a two-time author of Japanese wrestling history books, will be joining um, Reddit New Japan for an AMA right after Strong Style evolved on March 25th slash 26th. So if you are part of that community, uh, the, the New Japan Reddit, and you want to join in and you know talk to, to Chris and ask him questions, they're promoting that on there right now. It's on the message board, so that's like pretty cool. Um, last thing before we go, I have not yet been able to find all the dates, but I do know that there that uh, right now Liger is working that U.S. tour that we mentioned. Oh yeah, and so he's done a couple different shows. I saw that there was a match that he did in Vegas with. Um, he was teaming with Rocky Romero. And so, and he did like a, a, a training seminar. So we're gonna have some more coverage. I'm I'm looking it up on Cage Match day by day as it goes by. But Liger's got a U.S. tour. We're gonna see if there's anything that makes tape that's like worth checking out. That sort of thing. Uh, did you have anything else? No, man. I think I'm good. One hour and forty, man. Well, we actually, it's a little bit, little bit more because I remember our little take. Disregard what I said. <laughs> yeah. Still, uh, yeah. good show. I'm good. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. We got three big shows coming up. Like I said, we've got the New Japan Cup Finals. We got Strong Style Evolved. We got freaking um, uh, Secure Genesis. Secure Genesis. And then, and then WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend, baby. Yeah. And we're gonna be covering all the all the New Japan shows, even though they're not quote unquote New Japan shows. Yeah. The ones that they're gonna be working like Rev Pro. The WrestleCon Super Show and uh, Super Card of Honor, Card of Honor, which those are the three shows that are going to have all the uh, the New Japan like talent during that weekend. We'll be covering those shows, and we'll also be giving you guys heads up if there's anything else that's worth mentioning. But uh, this is exciting, man! And then you know, and then we got a stacked couple months right after that coming yeah. up too. So busy, busy, man, busy. So, like you said, yeah, next week we'll be back with uh, the review of the New Japan Cup Finals, review of Strong Style Evolved. So, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Keeping It Strong Style here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Make sure you connect with us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow the show at KI Strong Style. Follow our parent brand at Social Suplex on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash social suplex. You can also join our uh, Facebook group, The Wrestling Squared Circle, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash wrestling squared circle. Find us on Reddit. I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. Make sure you check out all the other shows on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You can check out One Nation uh, Radio, One Nation Live, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boy. They cover all things uh, WWE. Sometimes they venture out into New Japan. Um, then uh, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. Those guys are also covering uh, WWE. Um, the SMC podcast is kind of on a hiatus right now. We'll keep you updated on when those guys are coming back. But uh, Caleb Baldwin from SMC has just started writing uh, weekly Impact reviews for Social Suplex. So if you are an Impact fan, <laughs> check out uh, Caleb's work. I'm, I'm sure Caleb's work is going to be stellar, like everything that he does. But I did joke with him, and I was like, what are you going to call that? 
because he's like, I'm doing the weekly impact review. And I was like, what are you going to call it when they change the name of the company to two more times this next year? <laughs> he's like, as long as the show is called Impact, it's going to be called Impact, pal. Oh, man. Love Caleb. So, yeah, guys, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating for us on your favorite podcasting app. Those ratings and reviews help us out in the algorithm and gets our show seen to more people. So help spread the word and help us get over. So until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Next time. Next time. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.